she was the Kraken. Still working out the kinks on that one. Stitches get stitches. And she's not even worth buzzing. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that turns our crippling addiction to television into an adorable hobby. As opposed to, you know, like, a way to kill time until we die. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are married, but so is Newt Gingrich, so it's actually not that impressive. (laughs) Right. Uh, We want to thank everybody again for listening. Uh, Don't forget that you can follow us at Twitter. We're at 5 Maggie Smiths. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, or you can email us at upyoursdownstairs at gmail.com. Uh, we, we always love hearing from our fans, and we do have an updated iTunes review <gasps> from Dame Chatelaine. OMG. Uh, we actually we mentioned her last week and commended her for holding off on actually judging us until she had listened to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And now that she's heard it, she has upgraded from three stars to five stars. Which is the correct rating. It is correct. Um, but she writes, quote, Love, love, love your show. Can't wait till the next one. I also love how you give us a bit of history to help us understand what is going on. My favorite Maggie Smith movie is Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. She just makes that movie. I will have to see that movie now. I guess so. I I didn't even know she was in that movie. I didn't know anything about it. Well, you know, it's the Yaya sisterhood, not the Yaya Tommy hood. (laughs) (laughs) It's not really targeted at you. I got that impression very clearly. Yeah, we will update you on some highlights from our Twitter feed and other iTunes reviews next week. But right now, it is my pleasure to introduce our very first ever Up Yours Downstairs guest, comedian Natasha Muse. Yay! Hey, listeners. Hey, hey. <laughs> Natasha. Hi, and also hi to you. I want to say hi to your audience first. That, well, no, that's the correct I feel choice. Like that was appropriate. Hey, they're the ones that pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have bills. <laughs> well, we just assume that they pay their bills so that they can listen to the podcast. Because, <laughs> like, if their phone or internet gets shut off, like, oh, how can right. they listen? Yeah, you know? that's true. I, I mean, see. They pay their own. They're the ones that pay their own bills. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a couple notes already. Uh, oh, okay. It's five. Maggie Smith is number five. That is a good. I the think number you five. I think people like to spell things out. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. And I would also I would pay money to see the Yaya Tommy Hood. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will get right on that. Yeah, we'll okay. see what we can do. Um, any of you who are interested in uh, seeing more of Natasha, which if you're not now, you will be by the end of this podcast. Correct. I have no doubt. Uh, you can see her the That's second a- Sunday of every month. Yeah. Is that correct? Just remember, it's alliteration. Uh, I made yeah. it alliterative so, for your <laughs> comfort. That was very thoughtful. Um, the second Sunday of every month on a funny night for comedy. And uh, if you want more information about that or any of her other appearances, you can go to n- natashamuse.com. Mm-hmm. And that's all spelled out. Yes, <laughs> yes. it is. There's no numbers. <laughs> Not even a single one. Mm-mm. All right. I think we're ready for the get into the show here. Cool. Let's start. Yeah. Did you... Um did you watch this on Netflix, the episode? Or? I watched it streaming on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Then you, did you notice Laura Linney inexplicably at the See, beginning? Uh, there was like a little snippet of her. Mm-hmm. It just yes. says, but she doesn't explain anything. Oh, well. So I feel like I'm missing out. You right. are. <laughs> you, you are, are missing out. on the curve. What you are missing out on is that in America, before every time they show it on PBS, which is edited Totally differently than what you saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Laura Linney comes out to explain to us idiot Americans yeah. um, what everything is that is going to happen in the episode because 
we couldn't possibly figure it out from like context clues or like watching right. the action take place. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, the the basically the impression of th- what the setup is that somebody came to Laura Linney right beforehand was like, "Listen, Laura Linney, our cameraman is 80 years old and he is hammered. So just whatever happens, just keep facing the camera. We'll we'll try to make it look good because the camera is swooping back and mm-hmm. forth and oh, like yeah. it just for no reason. It's it's as it like and it's bright red. Like the whole room is bright red mm-hmm. and she's in this black dress, but it looks like she's broadcasting live from inside the human heart. <laughs> I, I that's the only explanation. Yeah. That she's personifying the hopes and desires uh-huh. of... Well, she's dressed in black. She's like a cancer in the heart. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe like a blood clot. We're um, saying we don't like her. Yeah. Do, you get a, do hearts get cancer? I don't know. I'd be a little off topic. I, I kind of feel like everything can get cancer. Right. Um, maybe that's just my pessimistic outlook on life. <laughs> <laughs> everything can get cancer. <laughs> a children's book by yeah. Tom Schneider. <laughs> Boy, you were just racking right. up the side projects. Yeah. Look out. You liked him in the ya-ya tummy hood. <laughs> now face the facts of life with your children. Not those facts of life. The really terrifying ones. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Now I'm bummed out about... I actually... You're so obsessed with Laura Linney. I actually looked through the cast like twice. To see if she was <laughs> in it. I was like, did they just disguise her really well? <laughs> Does she have a cameo I wasn't aware of? She plays Carson. <laughs> <laughs> the role of a lifetime. <laughs> Uh, no, but she she gets up and and she's saying all of these things uh, that are explicitly stated in the show, and she manages to spoil a major plot point before we've even seen the episode. She, she does this for each episode. For each episode, yeah. Okay. And then she she ends by saying it's 1913, and there's no shortage of schemes among the servants of Downton Abbey. In case you forgot what you were watching, <laughs> right. In the last minute and a half, right. yeah. We're like we we hope there's no shortage of schemes. We're We've got four more hours of television yeah. to fill here. Like, what, it's just them like sitting around like, oh. Just setting the table. Downton. Yeah. <laughs> this See, old place. Now she's committed herself to saying that every time. Because if you don't, it'll be implied that there is a show. <laughs> right. Exactly. And we are relying on her for all of our information yeah. about British culture at this point. Yes. Uh, so she finishes that up, and uh, we cut to our first scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, can I just oh, say, yep, when I watched ahead. this, my uh, wife was with me, and she just and she's not into the show at all. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And she, before she fell asleep, she said, <laughs> "What is this?" And the, what is she? She's like, "What is this called? A masterpiece closet?" <laughs> <laughs> and then she. Said of as the funniest thing that she was going to say, and then she promptly fell asleep. Well, at least she knows how to make an exit. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, she was like, "That's it, I'm out." Yep. <laughs> Masterpiece closet. It is yeah. for one of these characters. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a uh, armoire, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I like that masterpiece armoire. Can I have that for my birthday? I'll see what I can do. Okay. Our first scene is uh, a wheelbarrow, mm. and then we see Bates. In the village. It's all very exciting. Ah! Exclamation point! <laughs> yes. Uh, Bates goes into the post office and gets, like, a catalog or something? There, there was... I, I did not understand what he was he doing. He seemed very annoyed. Yeah. That, I like, on that part three times because I didn't get... I was <laughs> like, I should be able to understand like, the first dialogue. <laughs> yeah, he went to pick something up and then Gwen, who is one of the housemaids, goes in. Right, because he's... because every time Bates goes to town, somebody from Downton's there being suspicious. Yes. Like, that's mm-hmm. pretty reliable. So he sees her and he says, oh, I could have posted your letter for you. Like, just in a real dickish tone. <laughs> like, how dare you leave the house, woman? Uh, and she's like, oh, I really prefer to mail my own letters. Yeah. And uh, he's like, bah, you'll never get the vote. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can see in his eyes. You yeah. could. But kind of like Bates. Hey, 
a lot of people do. We are, we, are you not? We're I think not. You're supposed to. I mean, we like, we sympathize with him. We do, we just wish that he would stand up for himself every now and again. Yeah. Not the English way, stiff upper lip and yeah, right. Well, he's more like a stiff upper leg in his case. <laughs> he just takes it too far for our American sensibilities. It's true. We're working out our rhythm yeah, of yeah, how we okay. actually recap. Yeah. And I feel like I ruined that rhythm for you. No. no we really don't really ruin. have anything We're set still, in stone. Oh, okay. Like, you know, come back in a few months, maybe we'll have something. I'll have something worth right ruining. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's our goal in life. Let's just have something worth ruining, baby. <laughs> we'll work on that. Um, <laughs> you got a marriage. <laughs> Isn't that worth ruining? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So then we get a scene. Uh, Gwen was back in her room, and she, she is, transported herself mm-hmm. instantly where she belongs. Right, <laughs> exactly. And she, <laughs> and she startles Anna, who is up trying to move a heavy box that's up on top of their wardrobe there. And their uh, armoire, yeah, or their armoire, the armoire, yeah. And Anna like demands to know what's in that heavy packing case that weighs like a million pounds, whatever she says. Gold bars. Yeah. Well, I'm mm-hmm. curious as to what Anna's like theory is. Yeah. Like a human head. Like what is her concern? Maybe like when- the torso yeah. of a human. <laughs> I just feel like heads are denser, but I yeah. don't really know if that's true. A set of nine pins. <laughs> heads are denser. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think. Just a funny. It's like an indie band name. <laughs> The heads are denser. Mm-hmm. All right. Side project number three. Better than Ezra. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we cut to Mary on a bench. She's reading a letter from Evelyn Napier. Who did you watch the episodes before? Or mm-hmm. okay, so okay. you know Evelyn Napier is the gentleman who Edith discovered his letters to Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is some man that Evelyn that Mary is. Evelyn is like a lady's name. I know yeah. it's not in England, but like, come on, England. <laughs> like, why do you think we don't like you? It did throw me off. Yeah, cause, well, because actually in the first episode when Edith found that letter, I thought it was from a woman. And I thought maybe Mary was a lesbian, but then they chose the less entertaining See, choice. I'm actually just putting that together now because I was thinking what happened to that person she was writing to. Because mm-hmm. I thought it said Evan. Ah, oh. Because I, I also play Scrabble while I'm watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're like, oh, that's a good word. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, you know, I think it makes it more entertaining and unpredictable for you. Yeah. Scrabble. Well, yeah, and you never know when Evan's going to show back. (laughs) (laughs) Who the hell are you? I'm Evan. I'll be like, dear Mr. Julie. Where's my letter? (laughs) I left it. I need Bates to post it for me. Uh, So Evelyn Napier has written to Mary, and he is uh, wanting to come to tea at Downton. He is going to be there staying at a nearby pub or public house for long that specializes in hunting. Now, a public house is something that we don't really have in America. It's basically a bar with, like, a hotel above it. Mm -hmm. So you could go, that's why they called it a public house. Right. You would just be anybody, anybody at all, and just go and be like, I want a room. And a beer. And a beer. And they would have to give it to you. (laughs) They would have to. It was the law. Yeah. It's like where a lot of D&D adventures would start. Yeah. (laughs) Or actually, yeah. Yeah. And Lord of the Rings, too. They're at True, that they're tavern and room. wherever. Yeah. Aragorn shows up and then, oh my gosh. Then, then Spoilers. Things get exciting. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so he's planning to stay in this public house. And uh, McGee, which is our nickname for yeah. uh, Elizabeth McGovern. Did you ever McGovern. explain that? Um, I just like to call her McGee. Okay. I realize well, that the, that's also the a the director. Actress is, the actress's name is Elizabeth McGovern. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. But it's also like Lady Grantham. Right. So that's it could true. be Mick Grantham. <laughs> I like it. She just won't hear of him staying in a public house. 
Uh, apparently, staying in a public house is just not done no. amongst the upper classes in general. Yeah. Which I'm sure Evelyn Napier knew when he wrote this letter. He's like, oh, I'm going to say I have to stay in a public house. <laughs> yeah. And so, McGee... Too bad there was an emoticons at that time. Oh, you know, it really would have made me... Th- <laughs> a little frowny face after. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're staying in a pub. <laughs> but I'd like to come to tea with Wait. Mary. <laughs> She's so pretty. Grinny face. So anyway, so Michi's like, write him a letter, tell him he has to stay at Downton, uh, and I'll do it as a favor to his mother, because we're such good friends. And Michi proves herself an idiot once again, because it turns out Evelyn Napier's mother is dead, and yeah. has been for quite some time, as Mary gleefully informs her. Right, which she knows because she's been illicitly corresponding with him, yes. apparently. So I'll let her know how... That worked exactly, given that all the letters apparently go through Bates. He could have cracked the whole case on the <laughs> <laughs> illicit correspondence. He's the postmaster general of <laughs> Downton Abbey. Yeah. Possibly. Do you yeah. think they make him walk all the way to, to the village? Oh, That's, probably. He has to walk everywhere. That's, yeah. He probably wouldn't hear of it, arranging for a hackney a hackney cab. <laughs> he probably insists on like walking the long way around just to show everybody that he yeah. can do it. With a pebble in his shoe besides. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then we see uh, Gwen and Anna again. Uh, Gwen has confessed what is in the packing case, which is a typewriter. <gasps> <gasps> I yeah. had no idea because Laura Linney certainly didn't say anything about it. Right. Oh, did exactly. she warn you? She did. She did. She warned us and she told us it had a crazy keyboard that had to be memorized because the letters were out of order, which is true. But it's like stupid past people. <laughs> Wait, that's what Laura Lenny says? That's what, yeah. No, well, I say stupid past people. <laughs> oh, well. right. I don't think Laura Lenny's allowed to say that. No. Wow, she r- really ruins a lot of it. She me. really she does. does. Well, because it had been set up in a previous episode that Gwen maybe had a secret admirer. Like, we knew we had a secret, and that's what we thought it was. But then Laura Lenny just decided to spill the beans. My Gwenny's got a secret. <laughs> and it's a correspondence course. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in shorthand, uh, not in typing, that would be kind of weird, but she, she has been taking a correspondence course in shorthand. Well, she's with... typing in shorthand. Is she? Yeah. That's what she said. Yeah. I didn't know that was possible. But I thought those were two sense. separate things, but hey, you know, I'm, I'm not... sure. I'm sure Lord Julian Fellows has never had to do shorthand a day in his life, so... <laughs> well, I'm not an Edwardian secretary, so I can't really say. <laughs> Gwen is, is uh, concerned that her parents won't support her. Uh, why should they? Yeah. Well, yeah, she says that her, her mother would think she was a fool to give up a good place and her, her dad would say she's getting above herself mm-hmm. and you know so basically the same problem anybody who's ever tried to do anything well, in their life it's true what they say parents just don't understand <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and yeah. O'Brien comes in and is uh, a bitch which I know is shocking <laughs> right you know she's well, trying to see they're hiding the typewriter behind right they their both backs. stand in right. front of it like Totally casually. Yeah. Well, they've never seen a sitcom before. So <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. It's not even a cliche. It was just a natural reaction. Yeah. <laughs> it must be awful to be that actress that plays O'Brien. Oh, I know, right? Like, like, oh, we want you for this awful person. Yeah. yeah. And here's the terrible bangs that you have to have. Well, and she's already had that face her whole life. Yeah. So. Yeah. And she's not even Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> <laughs> She's one I like to sometimes when people are playing like ugly characters or mm-hmm. like mean or sad characters. Yeah. I do like to Google their headshot because, you know, makeup can do a lot. Definitely. Lighting. So, yeah. So I'm curious. Maybe we should, you know, she's got her hair down all soft. and She does? Know, I don't know. I haven't done oh, it yet. You, oh, okay. I, I should. You're saving it. 
I am saving it. You said you'd it. like to do it. <laughs> I would love to, but I just haven't she's been saving, able... She's saving that up to reward herself yeah. at some point. Yeah. We're hoping Laura Lenny will show you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes actors look different in shows than they look in life. So we have that to look forward to in series two, mm-hmm. probably. Then we've got uh, McGee and uh, Lord Grantham. They're talking about prospect of Mary and Evelyn getting together. And uh, the Dowager Countess is there. Oh, okay. Got it. She's there as well, uh, and they're just talking about it. You know, because uh, Mary marrying Evelyn would not fix the problem with the entail, but at least she'd, you know, have a nice position and everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I had a nice position once. So, <laughs> all of the entail is going to go, that means that the American's going to get it, right? Yeah. Well, well he's, a, he's, a, he's not American. He's not American, but he's from Manchester. Oh, so the mom is well American. Be from America. That's true. Yeah. 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 Manchester kind of American, is the America of Britain, I think. He's kind of the American <laughs> kind of charm. You know, he does. He's very, yeah. like... Uh, like a young American, mm-hmm. kind of pseudo democratic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he knows what a, like a week is. Yes, he does. <laughs> was he that knows. this episode? That was the, the previous, previous one. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So but it is like I the best line in the whole show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, man, Maggie Smith is rich. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know what a week is. <laughs> amazing yeah <laughs> that's so great <laughs> my whole concept is just beyond her oh that's so beautiful yeah. that's as rich as it is possible to be yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like a R- mitt romney right not to get yeah. political yeah just being unaware of no that. i don't i don't think you have to be political about the fact that mitt romney is richer than probably anybody listening to this show yeah. can even fathom yeah, <laughs> yeah. although if, if you're listening and you are richer than mitt romney please we, we want to hear from yeah. you yes please yeah, yes. please pay our bills we've yes. got we've got a movie project that we would like to pitch yes, yes. it's called the divine secrets of the tommy <laughs> the tommy hood the tommy hood yeah, yeah. the tommy hood the yeah yeah tommy hood Maybe it could be the no-no Tommy Hood. Listen, we're going to polish up this pitch before we give it to you. So. <laughs> we'll have a whole Don't business worry. plan and everything. <laughs> I've got my special movie rag. <laughs> uh, it turns out uh, they make a comment. Uh, the Dowager Countess is being all snooty about mm-hmm. this guy that wants to marry Mary, which is the most awkward thing that we have to say constantly. <laughs> yes. Can this woman please get married so we can quit saying Mary, Mary, this guy? Yeah. It's like a nursery rhyme. But Maggie Smith is all, oh, you know, what's going on with this guy's family? And Lord Grantham shoots her down immediately and says that he knows that, he, that she looked him up in the stud book. Has mm-hmm. been making all the proper inquiries, mm-hmm. and I said, "There's not really a stud book, the, is there?" There, there is in fact a stud book. It was called, and it still is called, Burke's Peerage, and it lists mm-hmm. all the peers of the realm and their sort of family history and and kind of status and everything like so that. So it wasn't just a snarky. No, no, there, yeah. there was an official thing. book that any family would have had. Now is so this the, a, a lineism? Did she clue you in? She did not clue no. us in on the stud book. I, so that seems like something that would be useful. See, that, you are absolutely right for her to. But that's why this podcast exists yes. to pick up the slack that uh, <laughs> Linny let drop. Yeah. See, if she was doing her job, we wouldn't even be here. Right. Yeah. We'd have been like, "Well, Laura Linny explained everything. Yeah. Let's move on with our lives." <laughs> but no. Here we are. So. In the note, I don't know if we should talk about this. In the notes, it says Mick G, which you know is the mm-hmm. American woman, and then LG. That is that is a typo. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, I yeah, that is Great. why Tom neglected to mention that Maggie Smith was in the room because I usually call her DC for Dowager Countess in the notes. Oh, okay, but. that makes sense. So maybe we can just not yeah. have this in the show. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe it'll be hilarious. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just all laugh right now. <laughs> What a funny thing that we just went through. <laughs> no, that's good. I can patch that in anywhere. 
And we're back in the village. Everyone's in the village this episode. Yeah, Yay. it's very yeah. popular. It's like that fountain in Friends. How far away does it seem? I would you estimate? I don't know. We I talked feel- a little the last episode about how I just can't get a good bead on yeah. the layout of this village. Because even them just hanging out in the yard is a good two miles away from the, yeah. right, the structure <laughs> of the building. Like, nothing is visible from Downton Abbey, so... Yeah, yeah. And, and the Dowager Countess has to take either the car or a buggy or something yeah. just to get to her house. That's on the estate. Now, granted, it is the Dowager house, so that's going to be somebody's mother-in-law. Right. So you've got to figure... Through the years, the Crawleys were like, oh, let's right. put that as far away as Through possible. Through the years, they keep tearing the house down and moving it farther away. <laughs> <laughs> so particularly in the, in the village, we've got uh, Edith and Matthew. Edith, who has presumably just been stalking him, mm-hmm. because as she's made it clear, her, her whole strategy for life is to pick up Mary's sloppy seconds. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <laughs> bad strategy no yeah. mary seems to be burning through these guys <laughs> yeah, right. so yeah the appetite for it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so she she's making her move on matthew he had expressed an interest apparently in the local churches boring yeah for reasons that escape my understanding but he did and so she offers to show them show him around the churches which he agrees to like sort of politely mm-hmm. and then she's like great i'll pick you up at 11 i'll make arrangements about the car bye and he's like Oh, get to spend the day with Edith, eh? Oh. This is why I shouldn't drink in the morning. <laughs> and we uh, we cut back to the servants in their main servant area, which I guess is like their dining room, right? I, I with that long table. Yeah, I mean, I really, mean, they don't I, they don't get much space, despite yeah. the fact that it's a huge house. Well, I, I just figure we're always in that room because if they're anywhere else, they should be working. Yeah, like, that's the only place they're allowed to just like hang out. That's mm-hmm. their break room. Right? Yeah. The break room, dining room. Is it room. the dining room? They do their mending in there. They, uh, they do eat dinner there. We've mm-hmm. seen them eating dinner there. I think it's like there. an addendum to the kitchen. Well, I well, think it's all kind of connected down there. Yeah. Because I think it's like the kitchens and the dining room are in the basement. Yeah. And then their quarters are up in the attics. Right. As far as I can tell. Yeah. Not only am I unclear about the geography of the village, I'm unclear on the geography of the house itself. Yeah. It's like the labyrinth to me. Like every yeah. time I think no. I know where we are, I'm like, oh, no, we're in the oubliette. Fuck. Yeah, well, and it's such a big house. Like, there could be a whole another like, like staff. I feel like in- Beauty and the Beast is happening. <laughs> oh, right. Like, over in the, over in the West Wing. Oh, right. <laughs> Mary's like, I'll be right back. I, <laughs> I need to go life. learn about inner beauty. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of picture, like, where the rich people live is, like, the storefront, mm-hmm. right? And then there's the whole oh. back section. Yeah. They go up and down. Well, they would have to. Like, characters see... like Daisy never go out to the front area. Yeah. They just right. live in this, like, kind of like rats in the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm waving my arm up and down. Yeah. Right. If that helps, it you helps. get a good visual <laughs> for how the rats yeah. function. So uh, go online, look up a picture of Natasha, and then imagine her hand <laughs> moving up and down. Yeah. <laughs> Left hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in whatever area it is that the servants are allowed to be in, O'Brien has, she has broken the news of the typewriter, which right. she also presumably stole right. or alerted uh, Carson to. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and everybody's standing around looking at it like, well, it's almost well, how they looked at Mr. Bates when he first got there. Yeah, yeah that's Like, true. they're all kind of terrified and disgusted. Uh, to me, it was like, have you seen the movie 2001? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. The monolith? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All just, <laughs> Mrs. Know. Patmore comes in and throws a bone. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're in space. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so they're all, I mean, you know, it's, it is, it is like, you know, when your, when your friend got a computer. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you are all as old as me or possibly older, you know, the mm-hmm. first person that you knew who had a, a home computer, you would just go look at it. Yeah. yeah. You'd be like, how does this work? Can this we play amazing. the Oregon Trail now? Can we please? <laughs> we could not, but it turned out that David Ipsero knew about chat rooms, which apparently what I learned was that you would go there and just type in curse words and <laughs> type in curse words. And we had a blast. Well, that's what you get for going to the Tourette's chat room. <laughs> <laughs> they were all the Tourette's chat room. <laughs> yeah, Gwen finally comes into the room where everyone is and sees that her typewriter is out and about in front of everybody Mm -hmm. and is uh, very upset. O'Brien helpfully says uh, to Mrs. Hughes, oh, Mrs. Hughes comes in first. And she's like, "Uh, what's going on, Mr. Carson? And then uh, O'Brien announces, they were trying to hide it, so I knew it was wrong. (laughs) Which is like, what? Who says that? Uh, Yeah. O'Brien? Yeah. (sighs) Because she's wrong, and she's yeah. hiding so much of what she does. I know. So it yeah. makes sense. That, yeah. That's in it's her nature. true. Yeah. She knows, she she's knows very, enough to keep secrets. Very duplicitous. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Hughes comes in, and she's upset that Carson has kind of overstepped his bounds. Right. Because she's responsible for the female staff. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of, like, hopped the fence and been like, oh, I get to tell everyone what to do just because I'm a man. Mm-hmm. And then Gwen finally shows up late to the party, and just, oh, she's just, like, devastated. Yeah. But she cheekily defends her typewriter. And announces that she wants to leave service and become a secretary. Carson is all like, blah, 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 honor this. Well, you realize how many girls out there would love to have your position. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she says, well, then when I leave, I shall be glad to know that one of them has taken it. Which is classy. It's a classy thing to say. Right. Unlike O'Brien's response, (laughs) which is, are you sure you're going to last that long? Yeah. Yeah. Then Mrs. Patmore comes in and yells at Daisy and we're basically (laughs) back to normal. Right. Which is how every scene either begins or ends. (laughs) Mrs. Patmore yelling at Daisy. As it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to uh, the, the dressing room of, mm-hmm. with the girls. Uh, and Edith is, is talking about her plan, uh, her church plan that she's come up with. And uh, Mary says, aren't you being a bit obvious? And Edith says, that's rich coming from you. Which, guess what? Don't fuck you, Edith. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. a good line yeah. from Edith. She won that exchange, which is rare. Um, <laughs> Poor Edith. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. This is a good counterbalance. I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for Edith, so it's nice <laughs> no. to have somebody advocating for her. She's just like a little, she's just bucking around the house. Yeah, that's, she is bucking. Yeah. That is the perfect way to describe Edith. <laughs> um. <laughs> bucking around with Edith crawling. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Would you like to visit the church? <laughs> this may ever so. Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to play tourist with me? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so McGee comes into all this, and she announces that uh, the famous EN, Evelyn Napier, is uh, going to bring a guest. He is bringing a Mr. Kamal Pamuk uh, on this hunting trip, who is mm-hmm. apparently an attaché at the Turkish embassy. Uh, an attaché would be like sort of like an assistant ambassador. Uh, they might have a specific job, like the press attaché or the cultural attaché, but mm. some sort of reasonably high-ranking fellow. The, the tur- what's going on in London is there are some Albanian independence negotiations, apparently. Uh, but in any case, he wanted to go on a hunt, so he's coming along with... Is Albania the country in The Simpsons, like, really early? That little kid came to stay with them, and he, like, tried to steal the plans for the nuclear uh, power plant? Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah, so I think we can all agree Albanian independence, bad idea, <laughs> because that kid uh, stole things from Homer yeah. Simpson on another fictional show. <laughs> yes. Well, I think Homer gave it... He did, yeah. Uh, he just let uh, him... Yeah. yeah. I, I w- 
I would like to point out to any of our listeners in Albania that we're totally fine with your independence. <laughs> it's really all right. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> that I am fine with your independence. Well, individual independence is good, but group independence. <laughs> yeah, that can lead to difficulties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As okay. we see in Downton Abbey. Uh, yeah. So Mary has to go. Uh, McGee says that Mary has to go hunting with them, and she is all bitchy about it for reasons that are unclear. No, because just in the last episode, she was like bragging to Matthew Crawley about like, "Oh, I go hunting, I go riding, I'm so aristocratic, and mm-hmm. I'm Andromeda." And then all of a sudden, she's just like, ah, "My boots don't work. I can't <laughs> go," which is weird. But she's I think fickle. she just likes to be difficult. Yeah. She likes to be contrarian. Yeah, That's Mary, true. Mary, it Twice. is. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Whosoever <laughs> shall you marry? There we go. Bam. Copyright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call our lawyers. Um, lawyers. I know. Plural. <laughs> oh, he must be planning a divorce I don't know about. Yeah. Something worth ruining. <laughs> well, we can't have the same lawyer, I don't think. So that's probably good thinking. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'm picking out your divorce lawyer. Just <gasps> FYI. Thank you, baby. You are so thoughtful. <laughs> As the man. That's my game. <laughs> Uh, we do also discover that Edith reads the newspaper. <laughs> right. She, she gets she gets mm-hmm. two sweet burns in here. Yeah. Edith is a, she's feeling confident. Yeah. <laughs> on account of the the tourist plan. Yeah. She's got a date. Yeah. She's got a date. She's she's riding high, and Mary's like, "What? What are you talking about? Albanian Independence Conference?" And Edith just goes, "It's all over the papers. Or why don't you read the papers?" Yeah. yeah. And Mary says, "Oh, I'm too busy having a life to read a paper." What exactly does Mary's life consist of? That she just couldn't squeeze in a session or two with the daily sketch. Yeah, now it's and the then. daily sketch. Like, she never seems to actually be doing anything. In the same in the same scene, also McGee suggests that a little bit of hospitality in an English house will be just the thing for these peace talks. Like, yeah, that's going to convince Turkey to give up Albania. Mm-hmm. Have we have we tried that with the Taliban? <laughs> just giving them a little hospitality in the English country. The English hospitality it seeps into your bones. Oh, well, yeah. Does it affect the density? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the chores are so heavy. Oh. Is that good or bad for my osteoporosis? It's good. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to England before we get a divorce. Hopefully, Why? do you know anybody from England with osteoporosis? <laughs> I don't. See, in fact, I really don't. So, uh, yeah, English hospitality does a body good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, spending a little time in the dressing room here, uh, I think, is a good opportunity for us to turn things over to our own personal mall rat. Kelly Anakin, uh, for a section that we like to call Fashion Backwards. Welcome to Fashion Backwards, everybody. This is where we talk about some of the fashions and how backwards they are. (laughs) We spend a lot of time watching these women get dressed because they had to change clothes apparently upwards of five to seven times a day. Yeah. Which, wow. Well, that explains why she doesn't have time to read the paper. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking, is she's too busy putting on different clothes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, having different clothes put on her. Good point. She doesn't actually do any... I'm too busy standing here having (laughs) Anna put things on me. (laughs) You try being a mannequin. (laughs) (laughs) So, just prior to Downton Abbey, Victorian-era corsets basically would just cinch in your whole waist... But then that evolved into the Edwardian S-Bend corset, which created an hourglass figure. It would push your hips backward and your bust forward, which is very bad for your center of gravity and your innards, I would think. Yeah. 
Seems um, like a recipe for uh, falling down. Well, but I mean, that's basically been women's fashion ever since people realized that they could use it to restrict our mobility. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, in fact, after the Edwardian S event, actually right around this time period, gave way to a corset that was just straight up and down, and it didn't come up and cover the bosom, which seems like it would be really inconvenient if you had much in the way of a bosom. Yeah. Just kind of have them like flapping around in your dresses, but I don't know how that works. But don't worry, it did still manage to be really uncomfortable. It would extend to mid-thigh and make it incredibly hard to sit down or stand back up. And according to my research, the ladies of Downton Abbey should be wearing that corset. Uh, But in this scene, we just saw Mary being laced into what looked more like the S-bend corset because it Mm -hmm. only came down to about her hips. Right. And it didn't look like it's cinched too tight around her waist. Because you do see for all of them, the silhouette is much so, you know, they've got their bust line and then it's very straight kind of down to the floor. Mm. Uh, but whereas if you look at McGee and the Dowager Countess, their style of dress is a little bit older. You know, they're influenced much more by the Victorian era because that's yeah. when they would have come of age. And so uh, the Edwardian era actually marks the start of women prizing their underclothes for being sensual and attractive. And calling it lingerie, which up until then was pretty much restricted to your high class prostitutes. So women finally felt empowered enough to tart it up at home. Um, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I'm really, this is very fascinating. Uh, from unmentionables to mentionables. Exactly. Mm. And women actually got really competitive about who designed and sold them their lingerie. Since if you cared what you looked like without clothes on, that implied that you did actually uh, enjoy sex with your husband and you weren't just trying to procreate for the good of the entail. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, it, 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 the beginnings of Victoria's Secret actually happened during in the Edwardian period, but nobody wants to go to Edward's Secret. No. <laughs> uh, that just sounds kind of creepy. Yeah. And then this is also the era when women started calling their underwear knickers in Britain. So you can blame the Edwardians for the continued success of the Bridget Jones film series, I think. <laughs> and it wasn't just corsets and knickers, though. They had six to seven layers of underwear. And I'm getting this information from our favorite website, Evangeline Holland's Edwardian Promenade at edwardianpromenade.com. And you would start out with the combination, which surprisingly was a combination of like a vest and pants that was worn under the corset. A corset is very chafing. So you always had to make sure that you had something between your skin and the actual corset. And then after you put on your corset, you'd put on the camisole, which is different from what we would call a camisole today. Today, it's kind of like a a little tank top with very Mm -hmm. thin straps. Mm. But then in 1913, it would have been a fitted button-down blouse with a square neckline. And uh, after 1908, it would have been very plain. But before 1908, it would have been like covered in frills, which is gross. And I don't like that at all. Um, (laughs) Why is it gross? I just, I don't like, like what I was reading just made it sound like it was just like belching frills. (laughs) off of the wrists and at the neck and that just you're already wearing six to seven layers of underwear like let's not make it like 13 with all of these frills but it wasn't that there weren't any frills because after that you would put on some frilly knickers and then on top of that you would put your waist petticoat Mm -hmm. uh, which would be made of a very light material like silk or lawn and then to put it on a woman would have to step into the center. They'd have to kind of pull it out on the floor. Mm-hmm. So she would step into the hole in the center and her maid would have to pull it up and then secure it really tightly around her waist. And from what I saw, Mary's not dealing with this level of underoos mm-hmm. in that scene. It didn't look nearly that complicated. Yeah. yeah. 
and it was probably just an editorial choice because I was really bored just like typing out this process. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, when does it end? The yeah. producers came to Julian Fellows and they were like, listen, about this 20 minute dressing scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we can see for sure that she's wearing a combination underneath her corset. But it does look like her waist petticoat is already on under the corset. Okay. And then the dress goes on immediately on top of the corset. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, because Those also, steps. yeah, well, in the Edwardian period, started in 1901 Mm -hmm. and i can see it being a lot more involved at that point and then kind of streamlining as we get closer Mm -hmm. to world war one and of course all the maids are expected to wear the same underwear so uh they're probably in pain comparable to mr bates's at all times trying to you know clean out fireplaces and Mm -hmm. do all of the things that they have to do as maids so the maids are wearing corsets too Mm -hmm. it would have been unseemly if they had not worn a corset I think O'Brien is fused to her corset, honestly. She's so stiff. But she wears that shapeless dress all the time. Yeah. Everyone knows underneath. Well, that's, that was, that was the the whole point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. They're like, we want you uncomfortable, but not attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would also recommend on Edwardian Promenade, um, I might put a link up to this. There is a picture of a woman's body and then a Mm -hmm. picture of a woman's body misshapen by a corset. And it's horrifying. Mm -hmm. I feel... So much better you about like the pinched waist. Oh God, yeah, and it's just—I mean, you just—it is—it's creepy because yeah. I mean, she's got like the classic like Barbie doll figure, but you can just see the way that her organs are just right, smushed. Right. So I feel way better about my little pot belly now uh, <laughs> than I did before I saw that. Yeah. Um, there's also a very cool graphic of the evolution of the corset from the Victorian era uh, up through the end of the Edwardian period. So I want to end because it's not really clear to me at this point how these women ever managed to go to the bathroom. I, I can't figure it out, and we don't see it on here, which, I, like, I get that. Like, right. nobody really wants to see anybody struggling to go to the bathroom in a chamber pot. Uh, you know, because there's no indoor plumbing. There's not even an outhouse. So you you already have to, like, aim, I guess. I don't really know how the chamber pots work. And men's underwear at the time was a union suit, which is, like, a onesie or, like, a forever lazy Mm-hmm. If you watch late night television. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they had flaps uh, in the front and the back to use the necessary when they had to. But for women, even if you can remove your knickers, like, I don't understand if there's, like, a way to move the combination or if, like, there's yeah. a hole or something in there. No flaps. Yeah. Or, like, it, like, did you have to undo everything and get a maid to help you every time? But that doesn't make sense because they're busy, like, cleaning the house. So you can't be calling a maid every time you have to pee. That's um, time it right. Yeah, I guess. But ben, they are getting changed quite often. That's true. And then, you know... Maybe that's why they change so often. Because they're like, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to take off all these clothes. I may as well put something different possible. on well, I, when I get redressed. I, I read somewhere that the origin of the custom of the women leaving the dining room separately from the men was so that the women would have time to go to the bathroom without having to say to anybody that they were going to oh, the bathroom. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I guess you can't really say that right. at this mm-hmm. time period. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I hope they are using it because otherwise every woman in Edwardian England was constantly suffering from bladder and kidney infections. Mm-hmm. Or white um, knickers. Yeah, <laughs> or all of the above. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so if you happen Especially to have any... since you're getting pinched in, so all of your organs are... Your bladder's have... already smaller, yeah. too. Yeah. It can't hold as much. Mm-hmm. Well, um, anyway, I just have to tip my hat to these women for <laughs> yeah. what yeah. they endured. I mean, it's crazy. But that's just a little insight into the... Your big, ornate, fancy hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'll do a whole segment on those later, too. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's fashion. Fashion backwards. Coming at you. Yeah. So, yeah, more horrifying Edwardian stuff uh, in the next scene. As, yeah. As uh, Mr. Bates goes to a prosthetic limb shop. 
like mm-hmm. you have in a village. <laughs> and, and it's weird to think that that's a like a thriving business. Yeah, I mean, it's People... not that thriving. There's nobody else there. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's but assumed. It, I guess. Yeah, right? I mean, it, you you assume it's doing a certain amount of business, despite the fact that a there are no other customers there, and b the guy that owns the place is like rude and uninterested in being helpful in any mm. way. I I can't figure out why, but he just like struck me as like the Ricky Gervais. Of Edwardian <laughs> England, I don't know why, but yeah. he just—he was like, "Why are you in my shop? What? What do you want?" Yeah, and so Bates is Bates is there because he saw an advertisement for a limp corrector. Mm-hmm. He asked him what it does, and sassy prosthetics guy says it corrects limps. Yeah, like, the uh, the is implied, <laughs> right? Uh, in any case, he gives him a very like brusque and rude explanation of how it works. And and Bates agrees to buy it, essentially. And he agrees to buy it despite the fact that when he asks the guy, does it work, the guy says, well, seeing as I make it and advertise it, yeah. I'm not very likely to say no, am I? <laughs> and Bates still buys the thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Well, what's guy? he going to do? I mean, weird as it is that there's one prosthetic shop in town, I don't think there's a competitor for him to go to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. Mail order probably yeah. took a very long time. Yeah. Yes. In this period. It's weird that he would have an ad in the paper. For some reason, I think that's strange. I yeah. Know. I mean, I guess that's probably the only way that you could really advertise at all. Not I, a lot of word of mouth in the handicapped community. I guess the lesson is that people in Edwardian times had fewer limbs Yeah, than, yeah. than at present. Do you think that, that when he was a younger man, he used to make puns when people would come into a shop? <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of puns? Like, oh, can I give you a hand? <laughs> <laughs> Put your and, best foot forward. Yeah, we've got a leg up on the competitors. <laughs> uh, you know, it would, have, it would have made him seem more accessible. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why he's so bitter now, because nobody would laugh. Right, right. <laughs> like, I got into this business to make jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't enjoy this work. <laughs> then we have uh, Cousin Isabel, or Mom, as Tom affectionately calls her. Yes. Uh, and Matthew are reading an invitation... <laughs> Look, I, look, paging Dr. Freud. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> Mom and Matthew are reading an invitation to dinner with Evelyn Napier and the elusive Mr. Pamuk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody says his name the same way twice. In this scene, actually, no one says it. Uh, Cousin Isabel says Evelyn um, Napier and some fellow whose name I can't right. pronounce. Which right. is the most polite way of saying that, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Well, except it's not that hard of a name to pronounce, actually. Yeah, it seems... I mean, writing it out, it's very clearly phonetically spelled. So. Yeah, it makes more sense than Evelyn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Agreed. So the point is everyone's racist. Mm-hmm. Right. Isabel says something about uh, presumably Evelyn is to be flung at Mary. Right. And Matthew says that Mary is quite capable of doing her own flinging. Right. Which, uh, wow. So they yeah. all have a good laugh at what a dirty whore Mary is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing she has seven layers of underwear. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. So Anna is, as previously instructed by McGee, is, is getting Mary's hunting clothes together uh, with Gwen, and Gwen just all of a sudden breaks down and starts crying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I would do every day if I had her job. I would, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd just be miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reason that has prompted this particular crying bout is she says that she just realized that it's never going to happen. She's never going to get out of service. She saw everybody's faces, and none of them believe in her and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And uh, Mr. Bates overhears this and walks in. Uh, Mr. Bates is now on the other side of overhearing somebody crying and it being very awkward. So he's encouraging her not to give up on it and then grimaces in pain, 
Uh, is... Hilariously, <laughs> yeah. it's just like it's just like the most like pantomime like painful face to me. I don't know why I'm being so mean to Mr. Bates today, uh, but it's just like oh, which. <laughs> If you could see my face, that would be <laughs> really cool. Did you guys notice that he gives her the same advice that the prosthetic guy gives to him when explaining how to use the lip corrector? Oh, oh no, we did not notice yeah, that. He just kind of turns over mm-hmm. that advice and applies it. Or you have to like work hard every day yeah. and it's going to hurt. Yeah. And you can't give up and you have to be persistent. Yeah. yeah. Which is great advice for becoming a secretary and terrible advice for using a sham limb corrector. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think we can all agree. But hey, at least something good has come something out of this, good. right? Yeah. Bates runs into uh, Mrs. Hughes in the hall while he's grimacing. She, uh, she says that he's looking very pale. Um, and he says, oh, it's just his complexion that he inherited from his Irish mother, which I, I call shenanigans. You don't inherit anything from your Irish mother other than guilt and alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how any everybody looks so pale. This show is the whitest show I've seen. Oh yeah, that's England, man. Apparently. Well, Edwardian England, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Yorkshire. It's just funny to think about one of them looking paler than the rest. Mm-hmm. Well, because he doesn't actually look any different. No. Yeah. I feel like it's just like you know they, that's what they say instead of saying, "Oh, it looks like you're in incredible pain. How can I help you?" <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say this innocuous, totally inaccurate thing. Mm-hmm. Well, because nobody, you know, everybody's like, "Oh, pale. Why? Thank you." <laughs> Which is actually what he says. Like he's like, "Oh, my wonderful pale complexion. Yeah. <laughs> You're too kind." So I got my grimace from my father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we cut to the kitchen, which is buzzing with activity in preparation for the arrival of Evelyn Napier and Mister Panook. Panook. Pamook. Pamook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Thomas steals See, a cake. We see him. <laughs> I couldn't possibly pronounce it, despite the fact that it's clearly spelled. I've never Pamuk. seen those letters together before. <laughs> A K. Um, <laughs> P in the same word. Oh. Keep out. <laughs> uh, we see Thomas steal a cake in keeping with his devious nature. In case you had gone five, and we're like, wait a minute, is Thomas evil? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Still evil. He awesome. is a bad person. Although, look. It, so you know it's wrong. <laughs> yes. I want to be perfectly clear. If I worked in this house, I would be eating stuff all the time, yeah. and I would be fired within like two weeks, yeah. <laughs> because they'd be like, you know, you're five pounds heavier than everyone else, <laughs> and we know it's not because of the gruel we've been feeding you. <laughs> I'd be like, oh no, Daisy gave me hers. Don't they just eat leftovers? I think that they have a separate store of food. Yeah, I think, I think they get cooked a separate meal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I thought they just kind of ate the leftovers. It's not clear what happens to leftovers. Yeah. Because presumably they have to have them. We'll do some research. We'll get back to you. Yes. All right. Keep on us. Yes. I'll write in. Please do. (laughs) Nobody has yet. So we're uh, we're desperate for human connection. You've got reviews though, as you mentioned. We have gotten reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Three now, right? Three. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're actually we're 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 quite content. We are. Great. Yeah. But still, right though, (laughs) because we're always thirsty for more. (laughs) Um. So it's the hunt. (laughs) Your course is not too tight. <laughs> yeah, the the hunt is happening, and it is so happy. There's joyful music Look, playing. It is the most British thing that ever Britished. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's dogs running around. Yeah. There's British people riding horses in red coats. Yeah, which you may be familiar with if you have heard that poem, uh, Ozymandias. <laughs> um, that should have been funnier. <laughs> well, live and learn. Now you know how that prosthetics guy felt. <laughs> I guess I already came up with a hilarious nursery rhyme about Mary. Like I can't, I can't hope to go too, 
too many more good ones. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> yeah, and they're all there, and uh, Mary's talking to Evelyn Napier, who's mm-hmm. not the most fortunate-looking gentleman we've <laughs> seen on this show. It is no. true. Mary is talking with him, and he's saying that Mr. Pamuk is off somewhere fussing uh, with his horse. Well, he complains about how he should have... He talks about how his own horse is, like, fussy or something. Uh-huh. And then he says the Pamuk is off somewhere because he's a bit of a dandy. Yes, mm, yeah. which... For this guy to say is like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. does he have like a monocle and a cane even when he's on the horse? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Mary racistly talks smack about Mr. Pamuk uh, and is saying that he mm-hmm. will barely be able to speak English and yes. will come in reeking of pomade. <laughs> and then... Uh, That's Turks for you. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Pamuk hilariously rides in and is uh, a hottie boom body, I think is the technical term. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's what they would have said back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mary has an orgasm right then and there. Like she does. Clearly, just like blown away, and her embarrassment at having accused him of being one of those foreigners, I think, <laughs> makes it all the more pleasurable for her. <laughs> this person, this act, this character actor is still a white person, right? He yeah. looks pretty white to me. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's a person of color in the show. Yes, <laughs> right. Look, they're so just, white on this show. This guy is yeah. practically like just by having a thick mane of hair. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which I think is a wig. I think it's actually Billy Zane with hair. <laughs> and self-tanner. Yeah. Like, take another look at and, him, people. And not, not a lot of self-tanner. Um, yeah, because everybody that I talk to is all about Mr. Pamuk, and I just... He doesn't do it for me. I don't... Got I, a weird mouth. He oh, does thought, have a weird mouth. I thought he was attractive. I guess so. It's just, I mean, like, the way people talk about him, they're I like... I mean, look, stand him next to Evelyn Napier, and he looks fantastic. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's a good point. <laughs> I, would, I would still say that I think Matthew Crawley is a little bit cuter, and it's not because I'm racist. Okay, it's just because I don't think that the Mr. Pamuk is, is all that. coincidental. <laughs> I think, is it Lord Grantham who asked that pasty fat dude? Yeah. So a guy who's even less attractive, attractive than Evelyn Napier is assigned to like hang out with Mary and make sure she doesn't get shot. Yeah. Which like, what's the point of even having her on the hunt apart to from mm. acting as bait? For this British lord. Well, Lord Grantham's never been that big on any of the various marriage plots. That's so. true. Yeah. Well, in fairness, she is a fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the hunt is happening. Uh, they're all, she's riding along. Well, she tells the pasty white dude to, you know, fuck off. Get lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. she's making a little alone she's, time She's with got Mr. the Pamuk. scent. Yeah. Of okay. a tryst. <laughs> yeah. She's got a date with Mr. Pamuk. Yeah, uh, the, the the date consists of the fox hunt. They uh, they find themselves off together. Other people have ridden off to go over a bridge because Which... they're wimps. <laughs> yeah, but they decide instead to jump the hilly brush, uh, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah. they mm. were they were excited. The music was exciting. Yeah, uh, Mary looks beautiful again. Mm-hmm. Of course, she's good at it. She's very good at looking beautiful. Maybe that's what she meant by living. She doesn't a have life. those eyes you get by looking at the printed word. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> They're just luminous and mm-hmm. uncorrupted by human uh, frailty. Yeah, or thinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, but she does have a really cute net that she can pull down over her face mm-hmm. from her top hat, which I would like such a net. Yeah, it keeps the flies away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're going fast enough; they probably get bugs smushing against their face. Probably right? as they drive, they ride through the swamp. Yeah, it makes sense. I've never ridden a horse, yeah. so I don't know how that works. I ride a horse, but it was not on a hunt. Yeah, not, not, also, not exactly at top yeah. speed. I also was terrible at it. So <laughs> I sat on a horse as it kind of meandered around. Mm. Yeah, does that count as riding? I rode a camel once. I, I, I think at the zoo. Mm. I pet a horse. 
I've been on a merry-go-round, <laughs> but I chose to sit on the we bench. Used to, we used to play horses on the playground and kind of like gallop around and, you know, it was like the whole Monty Python thing, but we didn't have any coconuts I to make together. I watched Seabiscuit. <laughs> <laughs> I used some glue that was made out of secretariat. Oh, no. Okay, you win. <laughs> so what we're saying is Mary would not be impressed by any of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. In meanwhile, while 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 Mary is successfully flirting with Pamuk, Edith is wildly unsuccessfully flirting with Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She's. I, I mean, are so sexy too. No, <laughs> yeah. but he is I just, and I can't quite tell whether Matthew is being just oblivious to how terrible of a date he's being, or is he deliberately trying to like Put dissuade Edith? Yeah, so I'm not sure which that is, but. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, look, he's he's playing it very straight because she keeps trying to like ask him things like, "Oh, how what what was it like when you grew up?" And you know, what's your favorite color? And he's just like, "Oh, where did this cross come from?" Yeah. yeah. What do you think Mary's doing right now? He makes a weird reference to Oliver Cromwell. He does. Yeah. I did not get what it was. That would have been Oliver, because the whole thing with Oliver Cromwell and a lot of the people at the time was they were these Puritans that didn't like all the fancy shit in churches. Right. And so, particularly the communion rail, because it was sort of this symbolic divide between the priest and his congregation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of churches had really fancy, ornate communion rails that when Cromwell and his gang came along, got ripped out of the churches and thrown mm. into the garbage or whatever. So He said something about a screen, so maybe that hid the, maybe. some of the artwork or something like that? Could be. That was kind of my... Because I think he was kind of looking up, so it seemed like maybe yes. there was something that should have been hmm. yeah. up there. I've never been in an actual Anglican church, <laughs> so sure. I don't have any idea yeah. Nor what, what kind of screens they use. Nor do I intend to be in an Anglican church at any point. So, well, there goes our vacation plan. Just think about all those people, generations of praying together. <laughs> oh God, <Isn't> that sexy. <laughs> yes, yes. When I try to seduce men, uh, I always like to throw out some some prayer talk, just yeah. in case they're into that. Yeah, you know what really gets me going? Medieval people, yeah. peasants praying, yeah. <laughs> groups of people who are dead by now. Gregorian <laughs> chant, the whole enchilada. I just love it. Do you think he's he really doesn't understand what's happening? I'm I'm not sure, honestly. I, just, I, I, think, does seem I think that he I think that he does, but he doesn't want to hurt her feelings. Mm. I don't think he's going about it in the best non feelings hurting way possible. No, well, I, I, there's a difference. It's not necessarily that it doesn't want to hurt her feelings. He doesn't want to be impolite. You know, he doesn't want yeah, to break any of the social rules. That's true. Oh, I mean, technically, doesn't he outrank her? Well, you just still have to be polite. Like, I get, okay, yeah. yeah, I'll buy it. All right. I mean, we can all agree it's one of the more unsuccessful dates in television history. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, uh, the aftermath of a quite successful date, uh, the, the hunters are back at the mansion, and Mary is just ecstatic. Mm-hmm. She is about as happy as she has ever been that like, we know of. Yeah, mm-hmm. she and seemed a little bit happier when. Uh, the Titanic went down. <laughs> like she was into marrying Patrick. <laughs> the servants are all there, and Thomas catches sight of the glorious Mr. Pamuk. And boy, he mm-hmm. just lights up. <laughs> yeah. Like an incandescent light bulb. He is excited. Oh my goodness. And he calls dibs on him immediately. He's right there by Mr. Carson. He's like, oh, him, him. I'll help <laughs> that guy. Me, Thomas, this yeah. footman. And, so, you know. And, and Carson says, all right. Apparently, yeah. So, so electricity you know, was in the air. It was. And Newly not, invented. Not just the vapors. <laughs> Thomas is potentially looking for a rebound. So this is exciting. 
Yeah, I mean, clearly, it's it's made very clear to us in case we at home don't actually find Pamuk attractive, as many of us don't. But everybody, Thomas, Mary, the maids in the next scene, like, everybody just can't yeah. get enough yeah. Pamuk. Well, even Napier kind of grudgingly admits. Yeah. He does. Yeah, I mean, you know. Because when Mary was talking to him earlier, he was like, well, he's not that unattractive. Uh, we'll <laughs> yeah. see. Yeah, like, okay. I wish, I wish to... he was the more racist kind of foreigner, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Would really help me out in a variety of social situations. I, I don't know why I bring around with me. It's not. <laughs> it's really not in my best interest. Yeah, yeah, Carson finally breaks up the ogling of Pamuk. Yes, <laughs> right. I love that when he says, "Is there some crisis of which I am unaware?" Yeah, he and Mrs. Hughes constantly pull that. Like yeah. that's their like go-to tactic. Yes. Yeah, of, and like, it's pretty. I mean, as an employee at you know various things, like that's not a bad way for a supervisor well, because, to you say. Know, maybe there is. Yeah. yeah. You know. Maybe there might be, and yeah. he doesn't want to seem like a jerk who didn't notice that like Daisy was bleeding out mm-hmm. on the floor. <laughs> right. You know, people act like passive aggressive is a new thing, but I feel like that just used to be the way people spoke back in yeah those times. That's passive aggressive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a problem? I wasn't. No. <laughs> Is there something wrong that you didn't tell me about? <laughs> can we just can we move on from this? Possibly. <laughs> be okay. This has been passive aggressiveness with Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Bates is uh, getting Lord Grantham dressed for dinner and just sort of in passing just kind of outs Thomas yeah. essentially Lord Grantham doesn't get it uh, Lord Grantham says something about Thomas you know was very excited to be helping Mr. Pamuk and Bates is like oh yeah well he would be yeah. which I missed the first time we watched it yeah, yeah. because well, and partly because immediately after finishing that sentence he gives another one of his painful grimaces yes that, that we see well that's what he gets for uh, outing someone who didn't want to be outed yeah yeah true enough uh, meanwhile Thomas is dressing Pamuk um, mm-hmm. and goes ahead and outs himself which it's... does not go no. over well Mm-mm. it's no. oh it's, it's kind of painful because we've all been there where we gently caress the face of someone we're interested in yes. only to have them threaten to have us fired <laughs> right uh, but they were standing awfully close to each other they were but I mean it's, it's weird was, though Pamuk was leading him on that's true to an extent although I don't know how you have somebody put clothes on you no. without being incredibly close yes. yeah another reason why I would hate my job yeah. Well, yeah. and Thomas is saying all these weird things like, I'm very attracted to the Turkish culture. <laughs> right. I mean, Thomas was trying to, like, lay the groundwork. He was there. laying it on so thick, it yeah. made me uncomfortable. I was yeah. like, oh, don't say, dude, don't say that. So Pamuk takes the opportunity for blackmail, mm-hmm. um, which is apparently, from the evidence here, all homosexual activity in England at the time ended in blackmail. Hmm. Yeah, so far. Yeah. 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 Much like the American South today. <laughs> And then Pumuk offers the nicest line, the nicest expression uh, anyone's ever said to anticipate raping somebody. Yes. <laughs> he says something about geography of the house. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah he, uh, just, he may want to pay somebody a visit. Yes. With his uh, uh, <laughs> penis. Yes. A rapey visit. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a, like a short yeah. film. Mr. <laughs> Pumuk in A Rapey Visit. Yeah. <laughs> The geography of the house will be explored. I was going to say, there's some MFA film student right now, like, <laughs> writing the screenplay for that. They're like, I'm going to tell Downton Abbey from Mr. Pamuk's perspective. <laughs> that is going to be a short film. Um, <laughs> spoiler. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> God, she is really a chameleon. <laughs> That's why I double-checked the, the... Yeah. Meanwhile, Gwen's typewriter continues to sweep the nation in excitement. Well, just um, the house. Well, that's... Why would anybody else care? <laughs> we only see the house. For all we know, 
It's in the Daily Sketch. Um, <laughs> but everybody upstairs is talking about Gwen having a typewriter and what does it all mean? Um, <laughs> you know, as it is, you know, more or less as it goes to form, Mary's a bitch about it. Sybil's very nice because she's the nice sister. And uh, they're, they're talking about, you know, sort of progress and change. Maggie Smith wants to go back to serfdom. Right. Apparently. Yeah. Or as she refers to it euphemistically, a simpler way of life. And I'm like, mm-hmm. simpler for whom? For Maggie Smith. Yes. Yes. Uh, but she sells it. She does <laughs> yeah. sell it, you know. I don't think serfs dressed you. Do they dress you? Uh, if you told them to, they yeah, did. I yeah, I think you pretty much did. I was imagining serfs just farming. Yeah. I think that was what they, you know, you had yeah. a whole bunch of farming serfs. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when you, you needed your... anything else, you were like, hey, serf, do what I want. And they had to. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you could train a surf to dress you? I, I, they were human beings. You could train them to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't want like an uppity surf. Surf's up. All <laughs> <laughs> in a prosthetic shop yet. <laughs> I just realized that how much surfs and smurfs sound the same. Mm-hmm. It's true. You think that surfs would be out in the woods, like or farm, just using the word surf? <laughs> to, are you going to surf this for me? <laughs> I'm feeling surfy today. <laughs> My job really smurfs. Smurfs ruined See? that one. Mm. Yeah. Did yeah. you write the screenplay for the Smurfs? Because that was as terrible as yeah. the screenplay for the Smurfs. <sighs> that cut deep. Um, but yes, Maggie Smith wants the simpler time that she euphemistically wants, uh, and. One of the uh, young lords there says that uh, he, as long as they can keep trains and dentistry. Uh, Mr. Pamuk says that. It was Mr. Pamuk, all right. Yes, Fair enough. and that is how we then discover that uh, Mary hates their dentist. And mm-hmm. we get a lot of f- fun dialogue that all of us Americans can be like, oh, the British and what dentistry in Britain? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go eat a steak with my bare hands. <laughs> Because if, if you are one of our British listeners, which we do have a few of, and you don't already know this, Americans never get tired of making fun of British teeth. Never. Ever. Mm-mm. We will do or it. your osteoporosis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but uh, Mary's wearing a fabulous red dress. All right. uh, the dinner scenes always have the best fashion. Yes. Sybil is wearing a pink dress with balloons where the sleeve should be. I think it's because she's not had her outing as a debutante yet. Oh, okay. She's still considered a child, oh. which is why she is dressed like a parade float all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, because she's the middle child, so she's trying to... No, Sybil's the youngest. Oh, she is? Yeah, I know. Edith's the middle Edith child. Doesn't, yeah, oh, which explains why she's bucking around. <laughs> Um, what else That's is so strange to me? Yeah, I don't know why. I'm flabbergasted. Hey. I also thought that uh, that the DC was the American's mom at first too. So. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. Hey, I you guess know. I, I, was, I'm there's a lot of characters car. on this show. I could have used Laura Linney really <laughs> <laughs> just to sit with her and she could explain things to me. I think <laughs> well, let's write her a letter. <laughs> Letters on, Laura a, Lenny? on a typewriter. Mm-hmm. We'll be like, it took us a long time to memorize we'll this keyboard. <laughs> McGee is doing the illusion netting thing again. God, they just must have bales of illusion netting just sitting around. Well, the, it's, uh, it's a big house. And I think McGee and the Dowager Countess are wearing tiaras. Okay. Uh, it's hard for me to say. Apparently, tiaras were very like in vogue then. Hmm. I was just reading this article where they interviewed Jim Morrison's widow about Downton Abbey for reasons <laughs> that no one understands. Wow. Uh, it was the New York Times style section, so 
Uh, but apparently she likes to watch Downton Abbey while wearing sweatpants and a tiara. And Jim Morrison's widow is very upset that more tiaras aren't happening. But I think there's some tiaras in this scene. Does she have a name or does she just Pam? go by Jim Morrison's widow? Pam something. Pam Morrison? Nope. Oh. I feel like she should just change her name to Jim Morrison's widow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, uh, I, that's what I'm going to call her. So yeah. if she wants me to address her any mail, she's yeah. going to give or the program. Or she's got to put some pants on. Yeah. True. <laughs> the sweatpants are not working. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, after dinner, they're all in the sitting room. They're all hanging out. And Where's Mary, Jessica? Interesting. Yeah, Mary is being swarmed. Yeah, every eligible dick in the room is talking to Mary. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Pamuk uh, pulls rank as a hottie and, and you manages. You What? <laughs> you said Pamuk. <laughs> <laughs> See his name? You never maybe, say Maybe, you know, maybe we were a little yeah, hard on Cousin Isabel. I guess so. <laughs> I take it back. You weren't racist. <laughs> you were just being honest. Yeah, yeah. all right. Uh, so Pamuk. Uh, manages to get uh, Mary a, a little bit alone off to the side there, um, <laughs> <laughs> which Edith once again trying to to pull her sloppy seconds move uh, swoops in, and Evelyn just is like, uh, "No, I gotta, I got." Yeah. yeah, he's like, "Oh, there's a wall I have to go look at." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, then uh, she then suggests that uh, her and uh, Matthew go out again, to which he replies that perhaps he will invite his mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is always what you hear. On, that's the second date is the time when <laughs> yeah. you start shoehorning your mom into your outings. I think that seems appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So Edith has, has basically just failed as much as it is possible to fail yeah. in this episode, which is sad for her, uh, but good for those of us who hate her. <laughs> um, Poor Edith. Yeah. <laughs> So Pamuk has actually gotten Mary into a side room at this point. I think it's a hallway. Mm-hmm. It was something. It's it not. Like a hallway. It's not lit. Yeah, uh, it's very dark. It is. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah, and but uh, it's nicely furnished. Yeah, they're looking at like what I think is like a Renaissance painting. Yeah, mm-hmm. or some like really some like old work of art, mm-hmm. which is uh, pretty nice. I'd like to have that in my house. Uh, and then Pamuk just starts kissing her, mm-hmm. which is just so far beyond the pale that Mary like really can't even believe it. Yeah, um, and it's just like I'm not. I'm not even, I don't want you cast out. I'm not even going to tell anybody about this, but let's just consider that this never happened. And, and she walks out, and Pamuk's got a look on his face. He's like, I think that was a yes. Yeah. I, I, think, I think she's interested. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's like, I know a little gay bird that's going <laughs> to yeah. show me the way. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> like a fairy tale. <laughs> Did you mean to make that pun? <laughs> <laughs> the gay bird's got a fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Pamuk immediately sneaking into Mary's room. Thomas is standing there helping him. Holding a candle. Holding a candle. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mary is clearly saying, no, get out of my room. But uh, Pamuk eventually wears her down, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, and I also, there's a, I, I like a line in there where uh, she's like, are you proposing marriage? You know, he, she knows that he isn't. And she says something about how her parents would never approve of the match. And he says, of course, nor would mine. Yeah. Because it was, I don't think we mentioned it, he is the son of one of the ministers to the sultan. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's high up in Turkish society. And it's just this sort of, like, you know, revelation that English society isn't the only society that is, you know, yeah. full of itself mm-hmm. in the world. But they have magic hospitality. <laughs> well, it well, they have seem magic to be carpets in Turkey. So, uh, greater than sign Turkey, I think. Yeah. Fair I'm getting point. all of my information from Aladdin. Is that correct? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I don't think Robin Williams the, was wrong. And entirely non-racist movie, Aladdin. Yes. Um. So, so, but Pamuk essentially, you know, wears her down. 
she eventually agrees to let him rape her, essentially. Yeah, I guess, yeah. How did, how did you feel about that scene? What was, your, what was your gut instinct to what had just happened? It was pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found it very upsetting. And uh, I guess that's what also bugs me about how people are so gaga over Mr. Pamuk. I'm like, you know he's, like, a bad person, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like... Well, I think, I, I would imagine that there is a feeling that, at the end of the scene, I think, which I hadn't really realized the first time, but she does basically agree to go yeah. along with it. Yeah. As if... There's a small and, and, part of her that would like to, but... Right. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that there is, it. but it's like, this is exactly, like, that's this exactly why, what blaming the victim is. Yeah, this is why they make anti-rape billboards. Right. This mm-hmm. exact situation. Yeah. yeah, because she clearly didn't really want to, she was just willing to accept that, rather than yeah, her well, only and, alternative and, was to, like, scream and have a whole scandal yeah because already. i mean regardless of whether she did or not if anybody finds out that he's there she did i mean it doesn't matter right. what she says people are just automatically going to assume it right it's a scandal regardless and um well and i just uh it just breaks my heart though because she asks him she's like will it hurt is it safe and i'm just like this is just not how this should go down for you mm-hmm. yeah like did you think he was going to have sex with her or do something else that didn't involve actual intercourse i assumed I, it was i thought he seemed pretty intercourse related i mean if he's gone that far i i just assumed he was you know i thought he had another trick up his sleeve yeah like he was gonna try to pull anal on her or something <laughs> maybe that is why he said it was safe yeah could be i don't know because they would have had condoms by this time yeah i think, I think so. they would have been like I mean, lambs they had or forms of condoms years. like in, in the Roman se- yeah times. yeah I'm like, was it safe, Mr. Pamuk? Like, what's up? Um, <laughs> well, and as we're about to find out, not so safe. Yeah, not um, very safe at all, actually. Yeah, so so what we see next is Anna sleeping and a, a hand going over her mouth. She wakes up. Um, I'm thinking and, it's like yeah. the revenge of O'Brien or something. <laughs> right. Um, it's but a great it, way to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's Mary who, who tells her to keep quiet because Gwen is there sleeping the innocent sleep of the ginger. Um, <laughs> Um, That's racist. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it sounded funny, so I said it. Um, That's what Mary said when she was making fun of Mr. Pamuk, and now look what happened. Yes, mm-hmm. as as Mary tells Anna, uh, Pamuk is dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, it's it's just like this horrifyingly shocking thing. I mean, it you know, it is. It, I mean, it shocked me. Yeah, I would never have guessed that that was where this particular storyline was was heading. Yeah, so they both freak out together for a while. They they can't. They need to get him back to his room. Which is, once again, disadvantage of living in such a big house. It's like miles away. It's down with the beast. Yeah, it is. It's in the Forbidden West Wing. Mm-hmm. So that is going to be a problem. And um, they, they can't carry him between right. the two. You know, he's, he's yeah. once you're dead, that's right. where the phrase dead weight comes from. <laughs> right. And, and they're discussing who else will help them. And basically they're like, well, Bates is a cripple. William is incompetent. Thomas is evil. We need to pick someone who has as much to lose if this is discovered as yes. you have. Right. Which is, I think, a very savvy way to think. That was Anna's thing. Anna's yeah. very smart. Yeah. Smart. She's, uh, look, if I ever find a stranger dead in my bed, I'm calling Anna. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wake her up with my hand over her mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll be fun. So they, they eventually settle on McGee mm-hmm. as, as their only option. McGee is informed about what's going on and, you know, obviously freaking out. Mm-hmm. And it also, it did occur to me at this point, I guess they sleep in separate rooms, McGee. Oh, yeah, totally. Bedroom. Yeah. It was pretty pretty standard for husbands and wives not to share a bedroom. Right. Um, which came in handy in this well, case. Although, you know what, actually, but we see them in the in the first episode. They're going to sleep in the same room together. Oh, yeah, that's true. So... Well, maybe they pulled, must have pulled the hand on the face thing again. <laughs> and it worked with Anna. That's true. Um, 
Mary's like, no, 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 I got this. <laughs> um, I've been practicing. Um, I've been waking people up like this for years. <laughs> it's my thing. <laughs> I used to wake up Edith like this every night. That's what explains her face. Um, <laughs> oh, ouch. Sorry, Edith. <laughs> um, Fuck you, Tom. <laughs> poor Edith. <laughs> um, so, I mean, McGee is freaked out, as you would expect, uh, but they convince her that this would be disaster for everybody in the family mm-hmm. if it was found out. Yeah, and I mean, he... Mary Mary is freaking out the most, yeah. because, I mean, right. this is literally her nightmare. I mean, yeah. this is why she didn't want him to come in the first place. I mean, right. she, you know, she yeah. has a reputation that's pretty good. Yeah. And we do also find out, basically, that it was consensual. Um, although, I don't know. Well, see, again, that's the, the situation is that she eventually agreed to go along with yeah. it. Yeah, so she, she says that he doesn't force himself on her, which the first time that I saw it, I didn't actually think that they'd had sex. Or that they, like, he died in the middle of it. I don't know. Right, it's not, I mean, and it's not 100% clear how far they got. I mean, he yeah. is certainly not wearing a shirt. So it had gotten that far, yeah. you know. So, so just it's, to it's, the titty twister stage. <laughs> important stage it's a little more revealing about our sex life than... <laughs> that's why you have the divorce lawyer <laughs> that's true the two of them um i thought one of them was for her <laughs> well yeah he has to have one and i have to have one oh, right right i've got them both on retainer just wait till he sees uh gets a load of my entail <laughs> it's uh yeah i'm looking forward to that but anyway they they it's not quite the uh the perfect crime however because daisy oh sees them mm-hmm. uh, carrying the body and is startled and pretty upset yeah unsurprisingly i gotta say i love mary's line convincing her mother to carry the body she said we'll be ruined and notorious mm-hmm. yeah seems like that'd be a good rap album <laughs> yeah well, actually we have one of our twitter followers suggested that maggie smith was pretty gangsta that's true i think i tweeted back that she's the notorious mag mcg mm. and the dowager countess <laughs> um yeah but they uh, carry the body and yeah, and uh, get him get him back to his own room. And Daisy sees them. Mary tries to get his eyes shut. She cries about how beautiful he is. And Anne and McGee are like, oh, listen, let's get out of the room with yeah, this Yeah, the whole body. point of bringing the body in here was <laughs> right. so that we could not be around it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want to get you as far away from this yeah. naked, dead body as possible. And, and, and McGee is like, listen, I'm going to hate you forever, but I'm not going to tell your dad. Yeah, because it would kill him, she says. Right, right. Which, Wow. That's yeah. a bold statement. It is It is a bold statement. Like, I'm not aware that he has a heart murmur yeah. or anything. Well, Laura Lenny's inside. <laughs> it's his heart. All in black. <laughs> uh, so then it's the next morning, and uh, Thomas goes into Mr. Pamuk's room and sees the body. And, and is, you know, appropriately horrified. Yeah. That was a nice little reaction shot yeah. of Thomas. So then Mary's walking down the stairs and uh, runs into Evelyn, who uh, just sort of makes... Pamuk's death kind of all about him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's a British lord. I think it's pretty standard. They have to do that. Right. Um, he does try to, to take a moment to uh, hit on Mary a little bit, which we may all have forgotten by this point, but that was the whole reason he mm-hmm. came, was mm-hmm. so that he could flirt with Mary, not so that his Turkish friend could rape her. Um, <laughs> that, that was just icing on the cake. Well, what happened to all those letters that they sent back and forth? It seemed like they had a connection that wasn't... No, I know. Yeah. And then... Well, she seemed all about well, it in the previous episode. Perhaps mm. in all that letter writing, she had never actually seen his face. Yeah. I guess mm. that's, well, I think she said that they had met at someone's house. Yeah, I, I, they must have met. I, I don't know. <gasps> Maybe it was a masked ball. <laughs> Maybe she forgot what his face looks like. Yeah, that's they true. didn't she really was like, have... Oh, I was thinking about Edgar Napier. <laughs> yeah. 
or uh, Evelyn Thompson. <laughs> oh, a terrible misunderstanding, old chap. Really should have looked you up in the stud book. <laughs> With your daguerreotype in there. <laughs> uh, and so Mary uh, starts crying, and it's a little dramatic irony because Evelyn just thinks it's just sort of innocent crying about this guy that died, and we all know that it's because of the horrible circumstances surrounding the death. Yes. The death. People are usually sad when a rapist die. <laughs> yeah, a lot of there are a lot of mixed emotions. Yeah, and uh, so that that is the end. You could say he had it coming. <laughs> yeah, you definitely could. You you could say that. I um, just did. And, and aren't we all glad? Um, uh, yes. Well, on that delightful note, we're going to uh, move into a little segment called Tom Repeats History, where Tom provides us with some historical factoids about uh, the episode at hand. That is correct. So uh, take it away, Tom, who is qualified for this job because he got a 1600 on his SAT when that still meant something. That is true. And I know how to use... Thank you. And uh, most importantly, I know how to use Wikipedia, which is, once again, the source of all of the facts you're about to hear. Um, I hope there's some dirty words in this one. (laughs) We... We'll see. So Mr. Pamuk was there uh, with the, the Turkish embassy. And it's actually, they called him Turkey. Uh, it was actually still technically the Ottoman Empire, which was centered in uh, what we now know as Turkey, but was a gigantic empire. At its peak, uh, there are 53 different countries that are today make up the land that used to be the Ottoman Empire. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's this, more countries than there are states. Mm-hmm. That, that is true. Um, I mean, the United States. Yes. I know Mexico's got some states. Probably. It's, it's got a few. Um, Sorry. That's all right. (laughs) Uh, But the Ottoman Empire had been declining, like, forever. Like, since 1792 at this point, uh, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, but they were around for a long time before, like, before most Western empires, They were around since, like, the 1200s or something like that. But but they'd been declining forever. Like, they were basically, at this point, the desperate housewives of Europe. Everybody was always like, Ottoman Empire, are they still around? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are desperate housewives still around? Yes. They just got renewed for another season. Good for them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. We're going to have to change it to Content Housewives soon. <laughs> but so the. <laughs> I think How Natasha's going to be buying a lot of How false long... limbs from me. <laughs> How long can you be desperate? <laughs> it's not that long of an emotion. <laughs> yeah, eventually something changes and you're either dead yeah. or a little bit happier. Right. No. It's like pregnant housewives. <laughs> Something's got a gift. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so as, as part of their long decline, they had just uh, the Ottomans had just lost a war with uh, the Balkan League, uh, which was just a bunch of the Balkan countries led by Serbia. And so they were having a peace conference, the London Peace Conference of 1913, to discuss the aftermath of this war. And I, now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, did this peace conference discuss the status of the Sanjuk of Novi Pazar? And they did. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the biggest issue was, in fact, whether Albania would become an independent country. Uh, Serbia wanted them to be part of, like, greater Serbia. But Italy, who was involved just because they were powerful, wanted an independent Albania just to have somebody between them and the Serbs. Mm-hmm. Serbs up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've already been down that road. Um, Do the Serbs have Serbs? <laughs> How many Serbs could a Serb, Serb, Serb of a Serb? Uh, see, I told you, only yeah. one nursery rhyme at a time. That's so Albania would be a uh, subserbian. 
that, that, well, that was the question uh, that they were all debating. Um, and they basically wound up agreeing to not decide anything about Albania and just put it all off. Uh, my theory is uh, it's because Mr. Pamuk was not there to help them reach an mm. agreement. That's a good point. So the fact that they – so they all signed this thing that said we haven't decided what to do about Albania yet, which immediately led to the second Balkan War, <laughs> which took place over that same summer wow. uh, because Serbia decided that it would instead take land from Bulgaria, and Bulgaria had a war about that. Uh, that was then, then settled in the fall by the Treaty of Bucharest, and that lasted exactly 10 months before World War I broke out. So basically – what I learned in this is that Mary caused World War One. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, then I can see why they're focusing on this family. And you got a perfect <laughs> score on math, too, so that yeah. totals right. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, what an unsuccessful uh, peace conference. It, it was quite unsuccessful. Boy. Yes. Now, is there any truth to the idea that an important member of this uh, treaty negotiations died right before? There is not any truth to that idea as reported by Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> which is not a comprehensive source, so right. I, I don't know. But yeah, that, that is, in fact, pretty much everything Wikipedia had to say about it, so I am now out of things to say. No penile treaties, huh? <laughs> no, not in this case. Trust what? me, you'll be the first to know. Uh, frequently on Wikipedia, <laughs> some uh, pranksters enjoy changing uh, names you'll, you'll... of things to penis-related, uh, yeah. like mm. the Battle of Penises. Queers also queers oh. show up a lot yeah. in Wikipedia articles. That's well, sort of thing. If you had a battle penis, as the queers would show up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Especially the article on 300 in yeah. particular. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, that's what I've got about All right. Albania. So Tom repeats history. Yep. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Do you have sound cues? Uh, no. No. We do now if we use that one that you just did. So yeah, so back to the show. Yeah, we're down again with the servants in their hidey hole. Right, where uh, Thomas is just hinting that he knows something about Pamuk's death that he's not going to tell them. Yes, for reasons that are weird. Cause Cause like, well, because he's a jerk. Well, he is a jerk. I was thinking, you would think Thomas might have been a little relieved when he saw that Mr. Pamuk was dead, because he had that thing hanging over his head. Yeah, that's true. That's true, although he now still has his part in the whole, you know... He doesn't know what happened to Mr. Pamuk between the time when he showed him into Mary's room and the time that he found him dead. Yeah. And, you know, say what you will about Mary, much easier for the family to punish Thomas than it would be to punish Mary. That is true. If anything were to come to light. So, which, again, wouldn't explain why you would want to go running around saying that you know more about it than anybody else. Because, as we saw with uh, Gwen's typewriter, these things do filter back upstairs yes. pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, and in fact, Gwen's typewriter having filtered upstairs, we next see uh, Sybil coming downstairs. Oh, and her <laughs> hair is so gorgeous. Yeah. Hair right. is so pretty. She invented the topsy tail in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it turns out that while everybody's been ignoring the youngest child, Sybil, she's been running around like forming opinions about things. What? Yes. That, yeah. that she thinks that uh, women should do what they want to do. Right cool. now, she's like the best character, right? Yeah. 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 Pretty, much. Pretty much. Yeah, I think I'm team Sybil. She's well, like think... a nice combination of Edith and Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the best qualities of Yeah, it's like they finally got it right. Well, and I think it's particularly at this point that we start to realize that Sybil's like got something going yeah, on. Yeah, she hasn't really done anything at all like she she volunteered to stick up for mr bates and having let that shyster in the house in the previous episode right but that, uh, the and, cheerful charlie yeah otherwise it's just been her like defending people to mary or edith yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so uh, she's finally seems like maybe she's going to get something of her own to do yeah. which yeah. is exciting because that means we get to see more of her hair <laughs> <laughs> yes evelyn uh is outside with mcg he's letting her know that that he's heading out and that uh, 
he and and she, you know she sort of indirectly asks if he's still interested in Mary, and he says uh, no. Um, and in a I very think, nice yeah, way. Yeah, he's very classy because he yeah. says that he thinks that whoever he marries ought to be in love with him. Right. And, you know, it's then understood between them that Mary, clearly not in love with him, which yeah. she knows because guess what she <laughs> did last night. Yeah. But, and let's all take a moment to notice here that unlike Mary, McGee holds it together perfectly in this scene mm-hmm. and does not give a hint about what's been going on. Yes. So, well done yeah. there. So, fare thee well, Evelyn Napier. Yeah. Uh, you were better than that. the Duke of Crowborough. It's true. Um, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> More of that p- passive-aggressive stuff, though, slightly. Yeah, but I That's think true. here, but here it does seem it's much just, more. It's just dressed up in nicer language. Yeah, but it's still like, right. I'd like to marry someone that loves me. I think wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah, and Lady Grantham is like, boy, I wish uh, I had had your scruples back in the day because that uh, would have been fun. Yeah, but, you know, um, she eventually fell in love with Lord Grantham, which I think is Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah. So, but I guess you know they got Beauty and the Beast down the hall, so they yeah. can't really help it. Probably it's catching, right? It's a Stockholm of a syndrome. Color. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, Carson is uh, having a little conversation with Grantham about the events of the night, and you know they're they're shocked and, and all that sort of Especially thing. Especially the ladies, right? So shocked with yeah. their delicateness. Yes, and and so Grantham tells Carson uh, not to let the footmen be too coarse in front of the ladies, as their 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 sensibilities are finer and more delicate than our own. Which is hilarious because his own wife won't tell him that his daughter, yeah, you know, had sex, got raped, something because she's afraid that that news will kill him. Their, so their finer sensibilities just spent the night getting raped and carrying a corpse. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, Annie up, Lord Grantham. What have you done lately? <laughs> yeah. You played with your dog. <laughs> <laughs> what does he do all day? He runs the estate. Yes. Whatever uh, that means. Clearly, clearly very involved. Maybe he just changes his clothes a lot to try and keep pace with the ladies. <laughs> it Maybe. could be. So uh, then we get another of the scene we've had all episode of Mr. Bates grimacing and lying to Mrs. Hughes about it. Mm-hmm. In this next scene, Mary is dressed like Lydia from Beetlejuice. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, find a screenshot. And uh, the Dowager Countess comes over for tea, and the Dowager Count. Oh man, this is this is some serious Dowager Countess thing happening <laughs> right here because she's talking all about how no Englishman would ever dare die in someone else's house, yeah. and various things of that nature, which are very very funny. Right. Mary continues to do the worst job ever of pretending she didn't kill Mister Pamuk with her vagina. <laughs> she's just like they're all like sitting there, and she's just like crying and like running out of rooms. And you can just kind of see McGee roll her eyes without rolling her eyes and be yeah. like oh my god what? i did not help you move a corpse <laughs> just so it. you could do this yeah um i thought you were gonna be cool <laughs> snitches get stitches <laughs> yeah so then we're, we're back down in the servant's dining room gwen asks thomas why he was darkly hinting about things and he of course won't tell her uh but o'brien says that she is also going to want to know and they're co-conspirators and everything, so he sort of has to tell Well, her. and with a hatchet face like that, you can be pretty intimidating, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And the shapeless dress. She could be hiding under anything underneath there. Yeah. It's true. We then get a scene where Mrs. Patmore can't see the flower. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's what we learned there. It's kind of like that scene in uh, mm-hmm. The Great Escape where Donald Pleasance <laughs> is like, I can't see things, but I don't want James Garner to know. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She also accuses uh, Daisy of being in a daze. Oh, right. Yeah. Maybe is well, Daisy really her nickname, or do they just call her that? Yeah, because she's <laughs> so, Daisy. Yeah, yeah. Her real name is like Prudence or something. Yeah. <laughs> Evelyn. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> um, you know they would just pronounce it evil in any way, so it's probably for the best. Yeah. We get our first wistful gaze, really. That's true. Our first solid, sustained, wistful gaze. It's Matthew. He's looking out the window and trying to come up with an excuse to go up to the house because now that Mr. Pamuk is dead, <laughs> he can kind of get back mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. You yeah. know? Everybody else is gone. You know, so he's just trying to, like, convince himself uh, that there's a reason for him to go up there. Right. Know? Well, he's also like, oh, I could go up there. Mm, will Edith be there? <laughs> oh, by the way, Mom, we go look at churches with Edith. I said you wanted to go, but I didn't actually commit for myself. So. Maybe you could take her to that hospital you're always talking about. I wanted to see more of the mom character. I like yeah. her a lot. Yeah. She is, she is really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, We're big fans. Yeah, she just didn't have much to do this episode. No. Yeah. Well, no. you know, not everyone can sleep with Turkish diplomats. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't involved with the rape death. Yeah. So. <laughs> It cut down on her screen time. Then uh, O'Brien is uh, with McGee, and I, I guess is asking about whether whether the things worked out with Evelyn, which they didn't, as we already know. Uh, well, then McGee's kind of wistfully staring. Yeah. They finally really have something to be wistful about here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the wist really kicks in yeah. starting with this episode. Wait a wist. <laughs> it's in episode three. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as we've discovered. Then uh, Carson enters a dark room, which we eventually realize is Mr. Pramuk's former room. Um, it's all red. <gasps> Maybe that's where Laura Linney <laughs> filmed her scenes. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> the cameraman was the ghost Pamuk. of Pamuk. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Lights, <laughs> camera, Linney! <laughs> yes. Uh, where, where Carson finds Mary is sitting alone in the dark, which is not at all a suspicious thing yeah. to do. I always sit alone in the dark rooms of dead people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they have they actually have a very nice little scene here mm-hmm. where Mary asks Carson if, if he gets depressed, and, and you know he says that he does. And he was just depressed the last episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's true, actually. And and she's convinced that she's never she's finally found what happiness is and knows that she's never going to get it. And Carson's like, oh, don't run up the white flag yet, and, mm-hmm. and all this sort of thing. But he, yeah, but right. he thinks she's upset about losing Downton. Like, yeah. he can't, he can't really, well, I mean, I guess he's got no reason to think that she really cares about Mr. Pamuk. Right. Except for the fact that he's found her in that room, which she would never be in otherwise. Well, but. true. But in any case, uh, he, he consoles her, and she talks about how he's always been nice to her, even as a child, and he says, even butlers have their favorites. Aww, it's really yeah. sweet. It's really sweet and nice, nice. yeah. It made me wish that my butler was like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy's a dick. <laughs> yeah. He's always kind of snotty to me when yeah. I write Hey, look. <laughs> if I could afford better, I would have it, but we're in a recession. That's true. And no. that was my entail being all tied up in knots. <laughs> but the scene is then interrupted by... Uh, who is it? Somebody comes... Who came, do you remember who came in? Isn't it, uh... Was is it, it McGee? No, I think it was one of the servants. Was it, like, Anna, or... Well, uh... So, <laughs> hey, tenants out there, if you want to write in and uh, yeah. tell us what was who, in this episode that? that we're supposedly the experts on. I think it was Anna, <laughs> maybe. But in any case... Maybe there... Anna had gotten wind that Mary was skulking around a crime scene. That's true. And, and was and going it, in to be like, hey, seriously. Whip her into shape. Quit being in here. <laughs> well, but Mary says that she and Carson were just checking out the room and making sure that everything was ship shape in Bristol fashion. Right. Or maybe it was Mrs. H- God, it's like Clue. It was <laughs> Mrs. Hughes with the key in Pamuk's room. <laughs> yeah. Was it Thomas? I don't think so. Well, we don't know. Yeah, we I don't. Think we can all characters. agree that we don't know. Yeah, so please let us know who it was. <laughs> yeah. There's no other way of, we'll find out. Yeah. Because we, we've watched this episode enough at this point. And we, um, 
we didn't pay our bills, so we <laughs> right. don't have the internet anymore. Yeah. So then uh, uh, we've got Bates uh, dressing uh, Lord Grantham, and uh, they discuss whether there's anything sinister about Pamuk's death, uh, because he was this diplomat, and he keeps hearing about German spies. And uh, actually, at this point, have we considered the possibility that he was, in fact, poisoned, given that, A, in the first episode, Daisy nearly poisons everyone, yeah. and, B, in this episode, we've learned that Mrs. Patmore is going blind. Yeah. Hmm. Like, that's just something... It didn't occur to me until this last time, but I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe you did get well, I mean, we don't know where he was prior to coming to Downton. Well, that's, um, you know, yeah. I don't know how sophisticated the spy games were back then, but if mm-hmm. it was like a delayed release poison, yeah. maybe Evelyn yeah. Napier's got more going on behind his plain-looking mug than anybody could suspect. Oh, yeah. He was never interested in Mary at all. Yeah, it was all just a ploy to make sure that Pamuk would die in a place that had no connection to him. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. But it just, it is weird because I don't think they ever figure out what it was that killed him. Yeah. You know, was he just one orgasm over the line or? Yeah. It's I think uh, somebody said a stroke. Possibly. Well, I think somebody said that, but I think they were just like wildly speculating. Yeah. 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 But something else. No, he seems so young and healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And virile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and definitely virile. Mm-hmm. He was not having problems in that it's department. A thick head of hair. So finally, we're getting we're we're getting to the end of Mrs. Hughes's patience uh, with Bates at this point. Mm-hmm. She's she's had enough of his grimacing. Yeah. Um, so he basically is like, "Listen, you're going to tell me what is going on," and uh, he he agrees and pulls up his pant leg to reveal that oh, Edwardian quackery much more disturbing than Edwardian actual legitimate medicine. Yeah. Like, uh, Mrs. Hughes and I are both crying on this reveal. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's awful. Yeah. I mean, I'm you know, kudos to the makeup team on this one because it looks really like these screws have just been digging into his leg and just shifting yeah. around and just... Yeah, just awful, it's horrible. terrible. Painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it was a good idea for him to go there. I, well, no, I think I think he should have seen that advertisement and said, "You know what? <laughs> I <laughs> the, the advertisement which which has in giant bold letters at the bottom, no refunds." <laughs> yeah, he didn't just he didn't just see that and say, "You know, I uh, people don't really seem that mad about my yeah. my limp anymore." Because that is the thing; like nobody's really mentioned it Mm-mm. since the first episode. Yeah, you know, they've just all accepted that Downton now has you know. A black mark against it yeah. because of this butler, and there's nothing they can do about it. And the Wednesday was almost too much. Mm-hmm. Staying with the Granthams, I hear they have a crippled valet. That is what we imagine going on. Yes, mm-hmm. puffing and puffing. Um, so Matthew has apparently uh, nerved himself up and uh, shows up at the house in his natty Homburg hat, which yes. we pointed out last week. Mm-hmm. Mary is like, "Oh, were we expecting you?" And he basically is like, uh, now that uh, Mr. Pamuk's gone, can I get it? Yeah. You know, they have a relatively civil scene here. For them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, things are slowly, very, very slowly uh, heating up on the Matthew and Mary front. <laughs> um, uh, and then we see uh, Mrs. Hughes and Bates going down to the lake and uh, throwing away the limp corrector. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Bates basically just promises not to be such a gullible douche. <laughs> right. Uh, so, but, but will he live up to that promise? Stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like how that's how they get rid of things. <laughs> yeah. Start, <laughs> no, I know. Start the river. Like, I don't, you know. Lake, whatever. Probably a bird will build a nest out of it or something. Mm-hmm. So. Or a fish, maybe. Yeah. More likely. Or maybe an underwater, like a... Maybe there's an alligator <laughs> with a limp in there. <laughs> Olympigator. <laughs> <laughs> Limbigators and lit- litigators. 
that would be a really great TV show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it'd be set in Louisiana, I think. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, <laughs> that is the center for the national alligator prosthetics industry. <laughs> it's in Louisiana. Yeah, and so uh, last we've got O'Brien finally cashing in her demand to find out mm-hmm. what Thomas was talking about in their court in their scheming courtyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's like they just have the space to go to. Which yeah, would be evil. are they are they back to smoking in this I, one? I think, I think they so. were. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. yeah. Um, right. This is like the close up. The, the show ends with a close up on her. Yeah, face. they are smoking. She's, like, taking yeah. a drag. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, and safe with me. Yeah. So yeah. So because Thomas, you know, tells her what the deal was on that he doesn't want to get in any trouble. As as you say, there, O'Brien says that his secret is safe with me. Your secret is safe with me. And so of course we all say, oh well, then we're never going to hear about that again. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah. Probably. O'Brien yeah. has promised to keep the secret. Yeah. We have nothing. And, uh, she is probably <laughs> really trustworthy underneath that shapeless dress. Yes. yes. You know. So. Nothing to worry about. She's not nope. a No, totally not. Uh, all right, so that's our recap of yeah. episode three. Absolutely. Now bum, we get bum, to. Bum. We're going to do a little something <laughs> fun you. since we have a guest. We're going to introduce the Maggie Smith Trivia Challenge. I'm excited. You so should am I. be. Yeah. Show how little I know about the world. Yes. <laughs> well, just Maggie Smith. Okay. Yep. You knew what Olympigator was. I did. <laughs> Not many people know that. Uh-uh. That's true. Uh, so this round of the Maggie Smith Trivia Challenge, I am going to read you the tagline of one of Maggie Smith's movies. Now, she's been making movies since the 1960s. Okay. So before they even had movies? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. I mean, before they could talk in movies. Yeah. If my history is correct. Uh, and did you check it on Wikipedia? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you're fine. That was the introduce- introduction of penises to movies came around then. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I will give you the tagline, and you will uh, guess or correctly answer what uh, what movie it might be. Okay. So the first Do one... Get, is this multiple choice? It's not multiple choice. Okay. So I uh, just have to happen to know all the movies that she's been in? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Godspeed. Thanks. Uh, so the first one is An Epic Entertainment Spectacular. Uh, I would I would advise you to focus on the word epic here. Okay, that's a little bit of a clue. They they recently remade this movie just this past year. They remade this movie mm-hmm. this past year. A lot of uh, people were upset. It's not a girl with a dragon tattoo. No, because no. they did remake that movie. They <laughs> did, and actually, I would have liked to see Maggie Smith in that um, as as Elizabeth Salamander. Mm-hmm. Or, so, Salander Sal- Salamander is close <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, not to be confused with Olympigator. <laughs> Uh, they remade the A team wasn't this year. No, no. no. Okay, so that's that reason alone. <laughs> she played Mister T. <laughs> she does pity fools. Uh, an epic. They remade this uh, in England. Uh, I think they remade it in America. Okay, who who was in it? I don't know. Okay, I think was that Liam Neeson or somebody taken. <laughs> no, I think I think we'll, uh, we'll we'll cap it at three guesses. Okay, uh, it was actually 1981's Clash of the Titans. Oh, she uh, she, she played was the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. she was cracking some skulls. What? <laughs> uh, all right, this next one. She played a goddess, right? She she actually Thetis, who is the mother of Achilles, who dipped him in the river but neglected oh. to. Uh, put his heel in which is like like why would you forget that like come on yeah. you put his whole head in there <laughs> mm-hmm. get the heel in there it's just one achilles heel yeah uh all right well number two okay a so much i did not get that you point. did not get that one right. not, yeah. not that point 
a much married woman who drifts from husband to husband. Was that Bridget Jones? No. no. Um, much married woman who uh, drifts from husband you could, to you husband. You can find the title of this in a children's nursery rhyme. Three bears? No. <laughs> no. That's a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Um, the Little Miss Tuffet? Muffet. <laughs> nope. Little Miss Muffet. It is uh, 1964's The Pumpkin Eater. Oh. Little yeah. uh, Jimmy Horner? <laughs> that, that's another fairy yeah, tale. Yeah, yeah. Right there. It was uh, yeah. Peter, Peter Pumpkin Eater. Oh, had a wife and couldn't keep her. And right. And then he ate a pie. <laughs> a pumpkin pie. What about the kid that put his thumb in the pie? Little Jack Horner but, sat yeah. in a corner eating his curds. No. No. Right. <laughs> and along came a spider and crawled down inside her. <laughs> okay. All right, number three. These are getting easier. <laughs> <laughs> Mothers, daughters, the never ending story of good versus evil. Is it the never-ending story? No, but I will tell you that we did mention the title of this movie earlier in this podcast. In this podcast? Are you sure? It wasn't just before the podcast began when we were chatting? No, it no. was definitely, definitely during. Oh, man. Uh, All About Eve? No. <laughs> Do we mention uh, that? I don't recall No, that. I don't know. Um, uh, we're we're going to make a spinoff for Tom based on this movie. Oh, uh, <laughs> The Divine Secrets of the Yahya Hood sisterhood yeah yeah we'll, we'll give you that we'll one, accept that very well done hey you got one point yeah all right i, I realized i didn't mean to say yeah yeah hood <laughs> sorry that's okay we knew what you meant Great. it is a ridiculous title my brain didn't know what i meant <laughs> okay number four you are cordially invited to dinner dot 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 and a murder is it clue it is not clue okay it, you may be thinking of Madeline Kahn, whose name is kind of similar to Maggie Smith. I yes, we'll take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, dinner and a murder, which uh, the cook, the thief, the wife, and a murder. Nope. <laughs> um, the Last Supper. No, it was 1976's Murder by Death. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. great. Which is really kind of a half-assed title, if you ask me. Yeah, but I didn't write it. Have you seen the movie? Uh, no. This is all straight up IMDb. Okay. Doing my work for me. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, all right. Your last, your final question. Okay, this is my chance to win it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. If, we've if, got, that's, uh, if that's how you want to look at we've it. We've got a lovely collection of prizes right, that right, you'll have to... in. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So 40% is good. Yeah. On a curve. I agree. I mean, it's, it's better than I did answering these same questions mm-hmm. on the test run, so... You're, you're already ahead of me. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you got a 1600 in your SATs. Mm-hmm. I did. You know, there is no Maggie Smith section on the SATs, which I really feel Kaplan ought to correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, so your final clue. This tagline. Out of one Gene Brody would come a whole generation of Gene Brodies experimenting with sex, society, and everything else. The Gene Brody story. Uh, no. Um, oh, Brody, where art thou? <laughs> no, nope, but very clever. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I am I a Brody. Uh, um, uh, a funny night for a Brodio. Nope. <laughs> it is actually 2004's Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> that was a tagline? Well, it's a joke, see. Uh. 
I've not read the, the actual. The tagline is actually from the movie "The Prime of Miss Jean Brody." So hopefully, some people laughed okay. at that. Otherwise, it was a total waste. I haven't seen the Harry Potter, yeah. Harry if, Potter books. That's or okay. Read the movies. If, if, any, if any of the tenants out there laughed at that joke, please let us know. <laughs> On a scale of one to five, how hard did you laugh? <laughs> yeah, so you only got one out of five possible Maggie Smiths oh, on that quiz. It's okay. Yeah, it's it was good. really it was a hard quiz. Don't okay. don't don't get down on yourself. Yeah, son. don't be sad. I feel sad. Because guess what time it is? It's time for the Abbeys, <gasps> the part of the show where we judge people oh and make fun of them. I feel so much better now. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Turn that frown upside down. I'm already there. Yeah. Excellent. I'll get off of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we start out with the Gibson Girl Award, yes, uh, which is for you know best looking, best dressed. Do you, either of you have a have a candidate here? I mean, you know, Mary looked good. I feel like she always does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd want to. Mm-hmm. McGee was wearing a god awful sack in her first scene. Oh yeah, that like it was like a coat. That kind of actually, you know what, Maggie Smith, she was wearing at one point. It was like there was a fur and it was like brightly colored. It was great. Yes. Like I really liked that outfit. I think that was when she came in after uh, Yeah, when she was Pamuk making fun of died. foreigners yeah. for dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I might be forgetting Ev- Evelyn Napier's horse. <laughs> <laughs> what was And what was the horse wearing uh, uh, besides Evelyn Napier? Nice saddle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, real leather. Okay. Did it have a pommel? Mm-hmm. I think it was two pommel. Uh, yeah. No, one pommel. Okay. The mono pommel. Okay. Uh, well, unfortunately, you're both wrong. Uh, <laughs> okay. The Gibson girl this episode is Sybil for her hairstyle in that one scene. Mm. All right. I'm overlooking her horrible circus tent dresses. Okay. Because her hair is so cute. What about the limp corrector? The limp <laughs> Are you saying, like, I don't know. I felt like it was wearing baits more than he was wearing it. Yeah, but I feel like I really made an impression on him. <laughs> So the uh, the runner up, yeah, okay. the Gibson guy the award goes to. <laughs> <laughs> the limp corrector uh, can't walk over here fast enough to collect this award. So we're going to move on <laughs> yeah. to our next Abbey Award, which is for best evasion. Mm-hmm. So this is best evasion of a question or a person or a situation. Right. There's a lot of evading happening. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I kind of give Thomas extra points for first bringing on the questions before evading them. Mm-hmm. Like he was first like, hey, I know a dark secret. Oh, but I'm not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. you know, so that, that was good. That's a hard one to pull off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were a lot of others. Matthew uh, was evading Edith. Yeah. Although we never did quite get to the bottom of like how he was, you know. Although, I mean, to me... That you got it like if he evaded it so well that we're not even sure if he was doing it intentionally. <sighs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Bates was evading everybody's questions, but I think he was grimacing far too much yeah. to he make won. it a success. Like Lord Grantham, like made Mrs. Hughes take care of it eventually, and if yeah. he had just if he had just sucked it up, mm-hmm. maybe his limp would be gone. Yeah. Uh, Lord Grantham, I thought, kind of avoided, maybe different than evading, avoided the whole Thomas is gay remark that pa- that Bates let out. That's yeah, true. although it was, it's so like vague when he says it, like because Bates says it as if it's something that they've discussed in the past, but mm-hmm. Lord Grantham makes absolutely no indication that it makes any sense to him at all. Right, right. So is he being classy? Is he being oppressive? Is he being oblivious? Mm-hmm. Is he not aware that there's such a thing as gay people? He was in the Boer War. You gotta yeah, think there had to be something going on. I, you know, all I, those many months away. I, I, I don't know. All right, we've got some pretty solid evasions from the males. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically Mary and McGee and Anna all kind of evaded 
questioning about Pamuk's death entirely. But that's, that's almost true. like that's like a cover up. Yeah, and I mean nobody even knew enough to really like press them mm-hmm. on it. So yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like Matthew just because of what you said. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing this from much more democratically. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not just mm-hmm. Kelly's iron rule. Yeah. On this award, I am the resident mall rat. That's true. Yeah, so, yeah, I, so do we want to? Do you feel like Matthew as the guest? Do you want to give the final word um, on your? Yeah, I feel like that seems like a good answer. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, congratulations, yeah. Matthew Crawley. Yeah, he's really confused us, which I guess is the <laughs> yeah. point of evasion. Anyway, uh, now we he come does to seem very enthusiastic about churches, mm-hmm. <laughs> which again, weird. Yeah. Moving on to our final award before the big award. Right. Uh, oh, I, never, I had a kind of a late submission of evasion. Oh, sure. Uh, Matthew's mother avoided uh, pronouncing Mr. Pamuk's name altogether. <laughs> that, That's she, a good point. She evaded that. Yeah. Nobody even batted an eye. We mm-hmm. could just we could just say the Crawleys. Mm. Yeah. I mean, his mother evaded being in this episode at all. <laughs> so For the most part, yeah. All right, Crawleys, you're learning the ways of the upper classes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well done. That is the most important thing about it. So yes, and our final our final minor award is uh, best overbite. Yes, and uh, so I think I'll check our records. I think it's Edith by a nose. All right, (laughs) poor Edith. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and now we're to the reason you're all listening. Still, (laughs) surely, Uh, absolutely. Uh, we are going to give Maggie Smith her score on the Maggie Smith scale of Maggie Smiths. Yes. Uh, it goes from one to five. One Maggie Smith is basically Maggie Smith is sleeping or playing dead in a right. scene. Mm-hmm. And scene five was like Maggie Smith in that first episode and just being very like, you know, being yeah. very mm-hmm. Maggie Smith-like. Yeah. It's a lot of Maggie Smith explaining the Maggie mm-hmm. Smith. <laughs> well, I'm explaining it because you're new. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Right. All our loyal listeners are already, they're like, Come they've on, already Connie. tallied their scores and they're like, why are you, why are you doing this? They're like, <laughs> negative Maggie Smiths, <laughs> get to the score. Right. So what do we want to, want to go with, with this episode? Well, you know, I feel like it wasn't her best, but she did have that great bit about foreigners, the foreigners dying in other people's mm-hmm. houses. Yeah. I mean, she did make it sound like she would not ever die in mm-hmm. the wrong place. No. Right. Well, and, and Sybil says, you know, granny, we can't control. We can't control everything. Yeah. And she says, well, I would certainly think we can control some things. Yes. Mm-hmm. She just, she will not accept that she doesn't have control over her own death. Yeah. Uh, which is which indicates that she's, Smith. yeah, and possibly in a necromancy. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we, we discount her a little bit because uh, she did get called out by Lord Grantham mm-hmm. about the stud book. Yeah. So she, she lost Not her, quite, a point yeah. there. Uh, she did speak out in favor of serfs. Yeah. Which on principle, I'm inclined to not give her the full five. Okay. Yeah. I think that's over the line even for someone as fabulous as Maggie Smith. All right. Fair enough. Um, so do we want to go? I feel like a four. I feel like mm. it's a pretty solid four. Okay. She had that great hat. She did. Yeah, that that outfit that I spoke so highly of. Mm. You know, I think I think a four, four, okay. four Maggie Smiths yeah. for Maggie Smith. Four plus hat. <laughs> mm. Four and a hat. Mm-hmm. Right. Four and a hat. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, this has been uh, our podcast. Yeah, it's Downton, episode, Downton Abbey episode three, series one. Uh, Want to give a big thank you to our guest Natasha mm. Muse. Absolutely. As our guests Mary. go, we're giving you five Maggie Smiths. That is absolutely, absolutely. true. No yeah. question. Hat or do I get a hat also? Five uh, and a hat. Sure. I'm, I'm not wearing a hat. <laughs> right. I have my sunglasses. Well, on. You, you could be, as far as our listeners are aware. Yeah. If you oh, hadn't right. tipped them off, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah. I tipped them off to my tip my hat. Radio is a new medium. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Still working out the kinks on that one. 
All right. Well, we are all set here. We'll be back in a week. And until then, up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs.